Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Brothers and sisters of the leaf, and happy Halloween! Coming to you live from Haddonfield, Illinois, home of both Michael Myers and Earl's Bar, it's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. Tonight, the boys talk their way through Halloween 2018 while celebrating uh, Halloween 2018. Confused yet? I know I am. Why couldn't they have just called this new movie something other than just Halloween? Am I right? Well, anywho, our crew of intoxicated horror hounds will dissect the latest Halloween film as only they can, while smoking Tatuates, the Michael cigar, paired with a truly terrifying amount of evil catfish IPA from Barrow Brewing Company. Sounds like it's going to be one hell of a good time, folks. So sit back, light them up, and enjoy the show. Howdy partners, I'm country western music superstar Trace Atkins speaking on behalf of my friends at the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. When my buddies are putting on a long four hour shift on the job site, there's no other podcast they trust to deliver the laughs, deliver the entertainment, deliver the expert knowledge that the TNCC boys bring to the table week after week. So when you're looking for a good time around the campfire, take it from me, Country Western superstar Trace Atkins. The Tuesday Night Cigar Podcast is as reliable as a cheesecloth condom. Good night and God bless America. Nick, what was that? That was a new introduction from our official spokesman, uh, Country Western music superstar Trace Atkins. He's back. Um, <laughs> that was totally you. This. We're, we're live. They don't. No, no. We're, this is you can't do that anymore. This is we're live. They're they're watching us. It's a live show, buddy. Right now. Hey, no Trace Atkins on the table. Hey, no. Hey, partner, how you doing? It's just Kate. How you doing? Okay. Agree to disagree. I, uh, seeing as how it's a special night, it's our first live show we've ever done. I'm uh, I'm thinking of bringing back another character. From uh, the old days. You're going to be excited about this one, Yaks. 
Our fans over the years have loved cigar reviewer who only describes cigars as if he's answering a puzzle on Wheel of Fortune guy. And for one night only, he's back. Yak Boy, ask me what I'm getting off the cold drop a cigar. What what are you getting off the cold draw of the cigar? A faint note of hay with raisin-like sweetness. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome, eh? I honestly did not miss Wheel of Fortune guy. Ask me to describe the cigar flavors. Do it. Please describe the cigar's flavors. Woodsy notes of cedar with a slight hint of roasted coffee beans. I really, really honestly did not miss Wheel of Fortune Guy. You didn't miss him. You still don't like Wheel of Fortune Guys? Man, you guys don't like anything tonight. I didn't know there was a Wheel of Fortune Guy. Oh, did you miss him? You want me to do some more? No, no. My goodness, no. I'll take your word for it. I thought that was Brain Damage Guy. (laughs) You want some more Wheel of Fortune Guy? Oh, I'm sorry. I was, like, doing the the Facebooks. The Facebooks. Facebooks. But from what I remember, I remember our fans really going nuts after Will of Fortune Guy. Leave it to the professionals. Well, welcome, everybody, to the... Kept doing the... Welcome, everybody, to the... No. He's not here. He's not here. He's not here. I promise you. He's like Michael Myers. He's lurking in the shadows. Boo. Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club podcast, episode 82, and it is the final night of our countdown to Halloween bootacular and spooktastic drinking extravaganza, or something stupid like that. Uh, the countdown's over, really. We're here. We counted down to this episode. Yes. So really, I probably shouldn't have called this episode the countdown. We're here. Happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, for those of you watching on Facebook Live, welcome. We're giving it a whirl. Uh, because we have Cigar in our name of our podcast, we can't really um, promote the show or reach outside of our little bubble very well, so we thought we'd give this a shot. Uh, for all you other folks, this will come out on Halloween. Just like every other episode, YouTube, iTunes, Grinder. Uh, we still on Grinder? Yes. Okay. Yes. What is Grinder, yet, boy? It's a device that you put coffee into. Although oh. our viewership's kind of stiffened up, we are still on Grinder. You can make right. sausage too, right? Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of sausage in it. Yeah. Uh, there. I'm, I'm with the tech tonight. <laughs> Tonight, we are going to be uh, talking all things Halloween. Literally, we're going to walk our ways as best we can through the uh, new Halloween 2018 film. Uh, I'm hoping all you guys made it to the movie theaters. I did. I did. Yes, I too saw the movie. And I actually... No, filthy liar. <laughs> I, I stopped on the way down here and, and uh, had a pretty heavily trafficked... Uh, Travel Plaza, or uh-huh. Plaza, however you say it. I've heard of both of these. Uh, and I, I was wearing a sandwich board advertising tonight's show. Really? Yes. I wasn't wearing anything else, well. so uh, I don't know if it's going to attract <laughs> negative or positive attention. You guys should be taking tips from this guy. Well done, dog. Thank you. Well done. You get an extra IPA tonight. Suck up. Uh, yeah. 
I'm a uh, man of science type. I gotta go out and we, go out and experiment. As folks who watch or listen to the show regularly will know, we uh, we walk you through a film. Have fun doing it, and while we're talking all things about the film, we are smoking a premium cigar paired expertly with the film, and then we're drinking a craft beer paired expertly with both the film and the cigar. It's a multi-tiered pairing system, which our announcer, Keith A. Howe, would tell you, just by definition, you, a pairing is two things. We really need to come up with a new term for we pair three things. By definition, three things can't be pairing. What do we call it? Why are the, you pointing out immediately after you say something what's wrong with it? And it's multi-tiered. It sounded really good. Because we've reached our goal. Would we call it a trifecta? No. Oh. You were doing you were doing great there, buddy. You lost your extra IPA. You can earn it back, but we'll see how it goes. I do not like this merit system one bit. Tonight we are smoking the Michael Cigar. By Tatuaje. How fortuitous we have ourselves a Michael cigar by Tatuaje. Um, have you smoked this before? Yes. One. Okay. Um, I can guarantee none of you guys have. I can guarantee I, I, I have not. Have you guarantee that? Maybe I did smoke it. You I didn't. I haven't told you. You didn't. Ah, oh, son of a... The Michael is the 10th release in Tatuaje's Monster series of cigars. Every year the company releases a new monster upon the premium cigar world. Last year was the Kruger... And before that, we had such familiar names as the JV-13. Can you guess which one that uh, represented, Doctor? Jason Bates. Old Jules Verne, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I thought it would be Jason, Jason Voorhees. Bates. Jason Voorhees. Then there was the Mummy, the Drac, the Frank, uh, the Face, short for Leatherface, of course. You and I wrote a, uh, we did a series. We did, uh, and so on and so forth. I'll get to that in just one sec, Doc. This year's release is The Bride, Frankenstein's Bride. It just hit store shelves a week or two ago, and it is allegedly the final Monster Cigar release. Uh, so if you're waiting anxiously for the Pinhead or the Madman Mars Cigar, you're shit out of luck. Uh, but I think we've all seen enough horror films to know that true monsters never die. I'm sure these will come back. How many people other thing. than me got the Madman Mars right? I, I knew I'd get a laugh out of you. <laughs> Uh, maybe you can sing a little bit of that for us. The at the end. legend goes, <laughs> beware the Madman Mars. Uh, very good slasher film, Madman Mars. Go check it out. Uh, well, as a giant man-child whose greatest passions in life are cigars and horror films, y'all can imagine what a fan I am of all this craziness. Pete Johnson, the madman behind Tatuaje, released only 666 dress boxes of the cigar. That's what you're looking at here on Facebook Live or on YouTube in the middle of the table. That is the Tatuaje dress box uh, that has, of course, the face of Michael Myers. Each one's different according to whatever uh, monster going is going on. Uh, so 666 of those were made uh, and sent to the unlucky 13 chosen cigar shops. Every year they change. They pick 13 shops around the country, and they're the ones who get those yeah, that's very boxes. unlucky. It's ironic. Ironic. Yeah. It's ironic unlucky. They're very lucky. Uh, and then, I believe, 5,000 plain boxes uh, of these also are then shipped out to other retailers. So you can still get, if you don't get one of the dress boxes, you can still get the cigars just in a much dressed down packaging. Uh, being a diehard, lifelong Halloween fan... I've been tempted to chase down some of these dress boxes, the the Leatherface one especially. Oh, yeah. 
over the years. Uh, but could you imagine an Ash versus the Evil Dead? And it's like in see, that's book? why I doubt this series is going to end. There's just too much to still do out <laughs> that's there. Gold mine. Uh, Bruce the Shark from Jaws. I mean, how do you not do a, a Jaws cigar? But when I saw this one, as obviously a, a Halloween fan, I, I knew we we had to get it uh, for the corner. Of no hope. Also, speaking of monster cigars, if you'd uh, like to get the TNCC's thoughts on all, pretty much, the previous releases, go to the website. Doctor, was it last year or the year before we did that? I want to say last year. I we we s- kind of dragged that out a while. It did. We uh, we got our hands on the Lanceros. Of, Probably was the year before last. Of every previous monster release. And basically, the Doctor would write a review for a, uh, an entry, like... The Chuck Cigar. He reviewed Chucky Part Two in Child's Play Part Two. I'd review the cigar. They're on the website. There's a shitload of them on the website. We pretty much tackled every single monster. Um, and speaking of the Doctor and myself, we are almost done with our Halloween series on the website, where the Doctor reviewed every single Michael Myers featured Halloween movie, and I expertly, perfectly paired a Drew Estate cigar that we. Wired while on the road with them all year long. To each Halloween movie, we made it work. It's been fun. We got two more to go: uh, H2O and one which we shall not mention. It's not worth the breath it takes to say the name of that piece of crap movie. I think we can mention it. It's not worth mentioning anything else. That Halloween happened. Resurrection. Yeah. We still got two to go. It was kind of interesting. I saw a uh, like a um, uh, I can't. I won't say the name of the website that I saw, but they did their Halloween rankings. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I, I like the Tuesday night rankings better. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say, I like theirs much I better. I really like <laughs> the way they did stuff so much better than you guys. Uh, last thing, the Michael. It is a 6.5 by 52 Toro. It's a heavy. It's a big son of a gun. Uh, Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. Nicaraguan binder and fillers. Cool. Much like the real Michael Myers, who was... I believe 75% Nicaraguan. That's not true at all. He was from Illinois. Haddonfield. Boy, I am just... Kid. I can't win with you guys tonight. Not win with you guys You tonight. can score points with me if you get me one of those evil catfish IPAs. Yeah, boy, while I'm getting tut an evil catfish IPA, could you tell us a little bit about tonight's beer? It's Evil Catfish IPA. What? Oh, oh I'm supposed to say more. don't call this guy the number one beer analyst <laughs> in the world for nothing, folks. Yes, Evil Catfish IPA made by Barrow Brewing in some little town that nobody knows about. No one cares. The Village of Salado. Yes, the Village of Salado. No, in the wonderful, historic, hey, scenic Village of Salado. What happened to that money I gave you? For comedy lessons? Because you clearly spent it on something else. Yes. And the sniping has begun already, <laughs> folks. It's going to be a red letter show. I'm sorry. He insulted my hometown. Folks, I am. Actually, I think I. He's a Salado-in. I'm a Salado-in, actually. Salado-white? You guys make your own pecani sauce down here, too, don't you? Not that I'm familiar with. Mm. If you'd like, mm. I could whoop you up some pecani sauce. <laughs> I call it salsa. The, Bar- the Barrow Brewing Company is literally in walking distance from the Corner of No Hope. So it is. We love it. Assuming we, we like the beer, I can maybe go there again someday. So far, we've, we've hit home runs with their stuff. 
The uh, Farm to Market was, I think, the last one we did, which we really yes. liked. Hell, I'm down walking down there right now. now. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. <laughs> did the Mystery of the Deep? Oh, that's my favorite. Yes. Double IPA. Can you go wrong? Love that one. Fire into some bitch up. And the ski boat. Yes, and the ski boat. But... This one uh, just there is their their flagship IPA, the Evil Catfish. Mm-hmm. It is 6.3 ABV and 57 IBUs. So I mean, it's hop, it's got some hop, but not enough where it's just you know gonna gonna burn your tongue or anything. But uh, they uh, Barrow started up in uh, 2014 and has been brewing strong ever since. They uh, have uh, started. To uh, expand out to do more uh, outside events and they always got something going on. Down always there. got something going on. It's amazing that they got started with uh, and and created a, a, a brewery inside of a little uh, pole barn. Gra- what used to be a pole barn granary, which is still standing, still yeah. looks like still just looks like an old barn. Yeah, it's got the Purina sign on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually a theater before. Excuse yeah. me, guys. Viewer Rev Java asks, what other beers does Barrel Brewing make besides IPA? Tell Rev Java he just said all that. Oh, I wasn't totally listening. Oh. Tell Rev Java to get the hell out of here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think don't. that's the kind of way we should do a no. live show. Oh, no, I was thinking we do like a Howard Stern thing where we're rude to our listeners no, and no, they, they'll no. eat it up. No, that's, no. Well, maybe I'm sorry, if we're Rev. making Howard Stern uh, money and we're like in space I like am Howard 0 for Stern. 4 tonight. <laughs> Rev, we love you. We love you, Rev Java. I tried, Rev. We love you, Rev Java. Jeez. Rev, Mystery of the Deep, double Do- IPA is my favorite. Ski Boat. Ski Boat Blondale. Farm to Market. Is that the the uh, the uh, is it pomegranate? Pomegranate. Pomegranate. Been, uh, uh, they got the Tipsy Vicar Stout. They've got it in, when the, it's in season. Salado Bock. They have an IPA when it's in season called the Stone Carver, which is yes. amazing. I like that of the lakes thing. No, I mean, uh, the, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Creek Don't Rise. Yes. Creek Don't Rise Lager. Yes. Yeah. And they've stuff. got uh, two very great Hefeweizens. They've got the 784, and they've got the Hat Tip, which is fantastic. Uh, they've got a really impressive uh, facility there. If you're ever in Salado, uh, they've got their own pizza company now there. they got an actual uh, an on-site coffee uh, truck. And, and as I said before, Salado is not just... Beautiful. It is also historic. It is the last surviving stagecoach hotel still in operation. Not for stagecoaches, obviously, but well, obviously. CK, do you catch more flies with honey? (laughs) Asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It it is it is a a special little place, and uh, please do come and visit. It's also home to a fairly popular uh, internet. Podcasting celebrity who we won't name. I think you're like waiting for us to I don't name him. I'm pretty sure you said, you know, this was my hometown and all. Yeah. It's the hometown of Matt Cade. Oh, God. oh wait. They can see me. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Adios. Um, can you put a CGI little Trace Adkins? No. no. If I was CGI, if I was CGIing anybody, it would be Richard Dawson. Sweet, sweet Richard Dawson. How do you guys like the beer? It is good. It it is good. Get it, Michael Myers, evil catfish? See how it all works together? No, that's not what I was thinking about at all. 
Uh, yeah. I'm so confused. <laughs> was that towards the beer or, or his yeah. efforts to yeah. <laughs> all of it together? Not the not not that it's a bad IPA. It's just that temperatures starting starting to come down. It was all rainy. I'm looking for a little. All right. Something well, here's up. the thing, uh, Doctor. You haven't been here in a few episodes. Uh, Tud has hated every beer for like the last ten episodes. That's because of him. We did a porter uh, last week that. Who he who likes porters and likes coconut? Oh, it's too much coconut. All right. Week before that, what did we do? The uh, uh, summer solstice. Yes. Which is a California beer, and it's a uh, it's like a lager, but it has some cream ale type things. Oh, I hate cream ale. I hate this. Huh? I hate everything. Two questions. One: When did Tut start sounding like Super Dave Osborne? <laughs> <laughs> and two. Has he really been the same ever since he slept on the airport floor after that Connecticut barn smoker? That's a good point. Mm. Uh, I think you don't like beer. You don't like beer anymore. <laughs> no, Doc called me out like three episodes ago. For saying you liked everything and now you don't like anything. Well, no. You went from like, one extreme like, did I do that? Yeah, you, I was like, you really did. yeah, you know, this, this. And, and basically you were like, oh, so basically if it was the last beer on earth, there was no other taste buds yes. in your mouth, you would actually okay. buy this. and not, That wasn't like, calling anybody out for like, liking everything. You were like, stop around. Get it? Catfish, yeah. and uh, just say that you don't like the beer. So I'm like, you know what? Oh, he gets honest for that. Honest. All I right. appreciate your honesty. And it's not that it's a bad IPA; it's a good IPA. I was so, just in the mood for an oatmeal stout tonight. Ha, ha, are you okay ever since you slept on the airport floor? It took a while, but yes, has that I been a turning back. point? Just, but you're I, back. Okay, I got, I got back. I got back. Maybe. Anyway, if you can find an oatmeal stout that match that that uh, pairs with uh, Michael Myers and Halloween. Evil oatmeal stout. There isn't one. <laughs> There's no evil oatmeal stout. Barrow making the evil oatmeal stout. Oatmeal, oatmeal by definition is nice hey, and warm and cuddly. It's gonna have like Wilford Brimley on the can. You can't oh, have that. They just got a comment from Barrow. They said, "Fuck you, Tuttle." <laughs> no, no, they didn't. But nah, I wouldn't blame you. Uh, that was me actually. I, I commented that. Not to be honest. <laughs> All right, uh, Doctor, how do you like the beer? Uh, I'm liking it well enough so far. Yeah. Uh, I usually like my IPAs a, a, a little hoppier. Very true. But with the cigar tonight, I didn't want to, to kill our taste buds and, right. and burn it out. And I thought, because Tut's had a problem with everything lately, it was a, I, this is my go-to IPA for people that don't really like IPAs. Like if they come over the house, I know I can give them this because it's... it's it's not going to scare them, and it's just got a really good flavor to it. Uh, there's definitely a hoppiness there. Yes, Re- yeah. There's really nice hoppiness. It's not. It's got a little maltiness to it, but it's not overly malty. Um, I, I, just, I just think it has a really good flavor profile. Perfectly said. Little maltiness. Uh, I'm not one who likes it too hoppy or too bitter. Uh-huh. Uh, I wouldn't say there's anything fantastically remarkable about it, but it does have a nice smooth taste to it. And like I said, you know, when you go to the, there's different price ranges when you go to the brewery. I mean, this this is kind of their standard, um, you know, you get this at grocery stores around here. I mean, we're talking seven nine nine a sixer. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's actually pretty good. That's great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of my go-to, um, my go-to IPA when I'm only, well, you know, if I'm going to just hang around the house watching football day and drink like 30, 40 IPAs, yeah. Mystery of the Deep isn't going to be what I'm, what I turn to for that. This this guy right here. That's what I was thinking of, Mystery of the Deep. Oh, I, I like that. I like yeah, that we beer. did that on, a, on earlier, uh, that movie with the two girls stuck down with the sharks. 
We wasted it. 48 meters. Shark attack. 47 meters, meters down. The Mandy Moore. 47 meters down. That's what we did. It was, that, we, we really... I drank all... That was the episode. I drank so many Mysteries of the Deep. At the end, Tut looked at my cans. It was like, how you are you... Dead. How are you still alive? <laughs> hey, Ma. <laughs> That's my baby cake. That's my baby cake. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, you guys just lit up a cigar. You, you got it going uh, quite a bit. Uh, you need... To uh, catch up, what do you think? Good Ted? draw on it. Uh, it's it's softer on the strength than I thought it would be. I thought it would be a little bit more of a you know medium to full. Because uh, all the Nicaraguan. Yeah, it, it, but it's it's really kind of mellow on the front. Nice little uh, blast of dark chocolate on the light, which was I don't really get that uh, that often, and so I, I I really appreciate that. It's got that a dark very chocolate's kind of set down though, and so mm-hmm. now we're going into a little bit more of a traditional earth from the Nicaraguan side. It's got a very silky uh, wrapper, Feel like to it? yeah, rub yes. your thumb up and down that. I mean, it's it's a really pretty uh, Ecuadorian habano wrapper, um, and yeah, I, I was expecting to be a little more. Especially Tatuai tends to really blast you with spice. Does it? Because I'm, I'm pretty unfamiliar with Tatuai. It's, um, it's not something that I'm very experienced with. Um, and I didn't get a lot of spice on. A little uh, bit of it. There's kind of a, a faint nuttiness. It may, may be something... I'm not really a coffee drinker, but maybe maybe you guys who drink coffee would pick up on there's kind of a... a I, I, I am at... Yeah, I am it. actually getting a, a, a kind of a French roast coffee. Yeah, especially on the retro flavor. Uh, I'm getting on the draw. Um, getting better. I'm getting better. <laughs> um, and uh, keep your eyes out for a sl- slight nuttiness. Hey, a couple more beers will all be nutty. <laughs> yeah. I am 0 for six. No, tonight. actually, that was pretty good. I was just being an asshole. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Give yourself half a point. Half a point? All right. All right. Here we go. <laughs> um, all right. So, beer is... Uh, it, I didn't even ask you about the beer. You liking it? I am. Do you guys have this at the pub? As a matter of fact, we do. How about that? Excuse me one second. Uh, Rev Java says, if the doctor were to describe this beer as an 80s hair band <sighs> song, what would it be? So, I need to... Actually, not just a band, but name the specific song. Song. All right. Uh, you know what, Rev? I would go with Poison's Ain't Nothing But a Good Time because Poison was not my favorite 80s metal hair band, but uh, that's a good song that you can just kind of kick back and sort of relax and uh, enjoy a party with. So I would say this band is uh, Poison's Ain't Nothing But a Good Time. I was going to go with Rats Round and Round, because I'm planning on serving you boys up round after round after round. Did I get a point for that one? No. Damn it. I thought I, I gave was going to go with I thought I gave a nuanced answer to an honest question. <laughs> I, gar- I gripe about the beer, but when it's gone, I'll be like, I miss that beer. Well, I got enough beer to keep us all happy tonight. How's that? Okay. Well, after listening to y'all's explanations, I'm going with Iron Maiden, Run for the Hills. <laughs> <laughs> go nowhere. Oh. Um, Sorry, Rev, I tried to give an honest, nuanced answer to your question. Uh, it was a great answer. It was a great answer, Doctor. Uh, I mentioned, uh, so you do have, real quick, Evil Catfish IPA on the tap wall in historic downtown Temple, Texas, O'Brien's Irish Pub. Yes. So you can either go to the brewery, or you can go a little bit further down the highway and stop in at O'Brien's, and we someone comes up to you, give them an autograph? I would. Yeah. <laughs> 
Have you ever been asked for an autograph for the podcast? No. Huh. No. You do not ask Yax for an autograph. He signs his with his... You get a brass knuckle sandwich when he asks yeah. for an autograph. <laughs> yeah, he would, seems would, nice here, but totally. he's a monster. Uh, he oh. totally is. Yeah. All right, and you just go ahead and put down another... <laughs> <laughs> zero for seven. You take down take down another point. All right. It's still better than the Astros team batting average in the ALCS. <laughs> God damn it. Uh. Sorry, sorry. Um, you know what? I'm really just, uh, before we dive in the movie, uh, as far as cigar goes, uh, just a little bit of uh, black pepper on the nose and then earth and, and some coffee on the draw. Does that, yes. that sound right? Mm-hmm. It is a very pretty wrapper, though. Shiny. Uh, Halloween 2018. 2018. Are y'all proud of me? I went to a movie theater, and I watched a horror movie. I, I saw that. You posted a, a picture of it on I Facebook did. and everything. I ate popcorn, uh-huh. and I drank beer. Did you have popcorn at the movies? I think he snuck into that one, just took the picture, then left. The doctor <laughs> does not go to a movie without eating movie theater popcorn. Buttered throughout? Soak it in butter. Did ain't you nobody going to tell me that ain't good for me. Especially not your doctor. <laughs> I, I'm prescribed it to myself. Do you have a doctor? Myself. <laughs> Why would I go see a doctor? <laughs> Is that loud? That's well, not illegal. <laughs> we don't think. Well, I, know I, I, should, I can administer I medical treatment to myself. What kind of doctor are you again? General practitioner. You're pretty right. quick on that answer. That, must checks be true. that checks out. Checks out. Uh, did you have popcorn at the theater? Of course. All right. I, like I did. I did as well. Four I popcorns. Had, I had the I had the tubo corn man. My <laughs> yes. tubo corn. Yes. My God, there must be movie theater <laughs> butter coursing through every vein on his body. <laughs> One of these days, I'm I'm going to just take that trash bag in and say, just fill this up. Just do it. Have you ever seen people that, that get, they go crazy with the butter, but then they ask for like a little soda cup to put more butter in so they can take that with them? Oh, side butter. Yeah, side no, butter. No, that's oh side butter. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that maniac over there filling that thing with butter. Yeah, it's my doctor. <laughs> The same guy who just told you everything was fine, huh? Yeah, he didn't have to really check out much. He just said it looked okay. <laughs> I'm efficient. Check this out. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm great. I've never felt better. <laughs> have a cigarette. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> um, all right. So we all went to the movie theaters and saw a movie. Uh, it's important to understand that we can't quite do our usual format tonight where we walk you through the film scene by scene, delving into every minute detail. Uh, tonight won't nearly be that exact of a science. Oh. Uh, because this movie was just, just released. Just like my doctoring. <laughs> well, it was just released, what, last week? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I couldn't very well break down the story as I usually do. I usually watch each movie at least two times and, and you know, kind of <gasps> take notes. I just remembered I left my notes in the car. I actually took notes. I walked out of the theater, got in my car, and spent like 15 minutes writing everything down. Yeah. Hmm. And I totally left that. Yeah, if we weren't uh, doing our show live, you could yeah. go out and get them. Yeah. yeah. Once again, it's something we can't verify. Yeah. <laughs> so far tonight, the doctor's the only one making any sense around here. That's uh, troublesome. So where I'm going with this is if we get at the details of a few scenes wrong or maybe combine the happenings of two scenes in one or skip something, just... You know, if we stand up and stretch and reveal we're not wearing pants, just bear with us. <laughs> I think that's not explained. All of tonight's film discussion was put together after a single viewing of the new Halloween. What was that, boys? 
Okay. Uh, it's also important to understand before we begin tonight that Halloween 2018 disregards any of the films that came after the original 1978 masterpiece. So you have to walk into this film power washing your brain of any memories of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode being siblings. Good. Of Laurie having a daughter named Jamie. Good. Of Laurie triumphantly chopping off Michael's head with an axe at the end of H2O. Good. Of that time Yak Boy stood up and it was revealed he wasn't wearing pants. Oh my God, thank you. You have to leave all that franchise history at the door. I recall that being in the Halloween universe. Oh, I was I'm, there. I'm... I'm it was there. Other than Look, Kate, I there are no stand bigger fans. And reveal that I'm not wearing pants. The only thing people are going to see on this thing is be, they're going to be impressed. Happy Halloween! <laughs> 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 uh, which even for me, a guy who has seen every entry at least a dozen times, uh, with the exception of Resurrection and the Rob Zombie things that happened for some reason, uh, Those aren't Halloween films. I was able to reprogram my brain and walk into this open-minded. I, I was totally able to, to leave all that stuff behind. Um, well, we, we've done it before. I mean, H2O H- makes you go back and, and forget everything that happened after Part 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a whole other discussion on that. I just recently watched it for uh, the reviews. So we've done that before. So as far as, far as just putting aside, I'm... Uh, if there's uh, your Halloween fan number one, I, I'd say I'm one A. Yeah, we're close. Uh, I definitely give you the nod over me, but uh, I, I was able to, you know, that that doesn't bother me. I'm, you know, to it's it's the 11th total Halloween film out That's of right. all of them, so you know, it's I'm able to to hit the reset button and understand what the idea is behind. Yeah, it. and I actually respected this this and you know walking in i respected that take on it you know i'm kind of curious because i'm not that big of a halloween aficionado you know i've seen halloween the original a couple of times i've seen number two a couple of times i've seen three a couple of times and then i've seen like four maybe twice and five like once and then i saw like part of it on on tnt that was one time too many so it's kind of like you know i I'm, i'm not that big big of a deal i saw like Clips of the zombie stuff, and then I was kind of like, "Oh, that's kind of no." No, it's, uh, I, won't, I, won't, like, I won't. I won't mention that again. I can guarantee that since it made what seventy-seven, seventy-eight million opening weekend, I can guarantee you that there were hordes of uh, people from a new generation that yeah, that, yeah. that went and no, saw no, no, it and no, didn't no, know anything was, about. Like it. when I was in the theater, there was like a whole bunch of young young people there. I actually sat next to probably a eight-year-old. Really. And his younger siblings Seems were on the other side. It was a family of five, and they none of those kids were over eight years that old. That sounds horrible, actually. Well, luckily, uh, I don't go out a lot. I don't go to the movies maybe once a year. Tops. I don't mingle with society. I don't really. Uh, yeah, I go to Barrel Brewing <laughs> and other drinking places, but I don't really go out to the theater a lot. I saw it at a Cinemark in their XD theater. And same here. I got the XD experience with the reclining chairs and oh, the the man. elbow room. Yeah. In the old days, if I had an eight year old sit next to me, he'd be like closer than Yak Boy is to me, and that would be like. But I mean, I could barely, I could stretch out and not even touch anybody. Like, yeah. it, like it, it, the theaters now, you just got some room. I love it. So I, I honestly, it. It, it, as much as I probably had some personal feelings about bringing your your little kids to see this movie. Um, 
I'm not the movie police. Oddly enough, and they I, didn't, but they didn't, they didn't bother me. Probably because they were just horrified by what was on the screen. Traumatized, they're probably traumatized, yeah. and, and <laughs> like Myers, they may never speak again. Yeah, they were probably shit in their drawers and uh, just too, too frightened to speak. Uh, but that that worked out for me, okay. Um, All right, well, let's get into this thing. There's also in that the Cinemark XD, there's plenty of room for you to, you know, gray goose the sprite without drawing any attention. Oh, to doctor, we know how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> do you carry it in a little medical bag with like a little red cross on it? No, no, don't be preposterous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just got a little bit of uh, uh, I got a little bit of I think Tut's old go to the Graham. Graham. My sense are really about to hit the old Halloween experience here. So, Kate, if I could ask you, sir, would you catfish me? I am. I'll, I'll catfish you. You might, right. might as well hit me another one while you're there. That way, and we're we don't, out of we don't slow this and we're down. Out of evil catfish. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you, sir. All right. Um, yeah, I got a little bit of Graham. Goes with the on top of that earth and the and the coffee. Yex, you liking this car? I am. For some reason, I think you're really going to like this one. Maybe more than any of us. You know. I got like a little bit, almost like it was like a, can't say any, what particular one, but almost like it was like a dried fruit kind of flavor on the cold draw. And then lighting up, I mean. dried fruit? You can't quite pin it down? Apricot? Something like that. It, it, there was a, it was sweet. Dates. Prunes. Uh, I got to go outside. Excuse me. I think the, the professional podcast cigar term is that weird shit in trail mix that you don't know what it is and you usually just pick around it and don't eat it what is like that what is this thing i don't know i'm gonna eat it anyways the weird weird shit in trail mix uh that's professional talk i don't know if you guys heard on there's a website on the internet that says i'm a cigar expert every podcast uh written by uh, do you like an touch? yes okay uh written by jeff fradley Danny McBride and the film's director David Gordon Green. I was really surprised that Danny McBride was in this. Um, Not in it, but writ, wrote it. Well, it didn't scare me because you know I go into Halloween filming. I don't want to laugh. I want to be scared, and I've never found Danny McBride funny, so that didn't. <laughs> there's no red flags there. But um, uh, shots fired by Matthew Cage. These these three have worked together before on such films as Your Highness. Hmm. Uh, which I think you guys really liked. Uh, there were the guys dressed up like the knights out in the... You Weren't you a big fan of Your Highness with Peter Dinklage? I could have swore you no, guys were... Knights of Bad Astle. Oh, that's a different one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, Your Highness was with James Franco. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah, Natalie uh, Portman was oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Sorry. Knights of Bad Astle. That was about the only good thing. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, and they also did the HBO series Vice Principals together. And McBride has acted in several of Green's films, All the Real Girls, one of his early indie films, and Pineapple Express. Uh, they actually met in college at North Carolina School of the Arts way back when, and they struck up a friendship and a creative relationship as, as young guys in college. Uh, I admittedly have not seen a lot of David Gordon Green's films. Uh, I watched a movie called Undertow he did with Josh Lucas uh, several years ago, and I did enjoy, and I think you did too, uh, he directed and produced the Amazon coming-of-age comedy Red Oaks. More good than bad, it, it kind of went. I dropped out after the first season, but it had some good stuff in yeah. there. Uh, well, the big get this time around, like the doctor said, the 11th film in the in the franchise, 
Was the production company Blumhouse bringing on board the living legend of John Carpenter to give the screenplay his blessing and also deliver the score with his son Cody and his godson Daniel Davies, whose father is also famous. His dad is Dave Davies of the Kinks. Okay. The guitarist for the oh, Kinks. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Huh? Yeah. And I just want to start things off by saying the soundtrack is unquestionably phenomenal, which means you literally can't fucking question it. None of you. Because we're on Facebook Live, we can't actually play any of John Carpenter, so I've asked the doctor to... (laughs) Thank you, Doc. Uh, It's sad, it's terrifying, it's ghostly, it pulsates as if it's alive and pissed off, while never letting itself go berserk and spin out of control. It feels modern without any sense whatsoever of being kind of a retro throwback. Um, My rendition just stopped at sad and terrifying. <laughs> Actually, I thought it was a little bit interesting because you've had so much of a recent new retro wave or a synth uh-huh. wave push, like, you know, in the last three, four years, uh, you know, especially like with Stranger Things kicking off, and that's kind of blossomed it out there. And they all say Carpenter is an, is an influence for that. Carpenter is the influence. But this movie I mean, didn't call for that it's sound. cool. But it's still, it's got that, it's got that roots. I mean, you're hearing the roots here. So it was kind of an interesting thing to where a lot of the movies, <coughs> a lot of the movies that I like have really started going into that retro wave sound, and I love it. And then this was just a little bit different. I mean, it was just, it was yeah. those roots. It was the the authenticity of the score because I know, I mean, I knew it was doing it. So it was just a really kind of cool experience. It was the music Carpenter and his team created uh, propels the narrative while never calling attention away from the action on screen. Uh, It's true to Carpenter's mantra of all his soundtracks being like carpet. They're utilitarian, and if the house built around and above the carpet is built correctly, you should barely even notice the music. Uh, Which, you know what? Watching it, I didn't. It's... that is so perfect to where it does not detract from this, from any of the on It just suits yeah. the story uh, beautifully. Uh, standout original tracks like Prison Montage and The Grind are, off, you know, have been obviously listening to the soundtrack nonstop ever since I left the theater. They're so damn good, and they blend seamlessly with reworkings of the original music from the 1978 film. Uh, while listening over and over to the new score, I also hear hints of inspiration from classic earlier JC stuff. I hear some Escape from New York in there. I hear some a lot of Christine in there. It's just truly glorious. I'd ask uh, you guys what you thought, but I've already established it's unquestionably phenomenal, so that leaves you really little room to question it. Okay. But I'll ask. Never noticed the music. That's To me, that's a compliment. To the music? Yes. End of the film, as 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 a whole. I mean, I would notice it I, if I was listening for it. For me, it is a I, standalone I, I comment to be interpreted just that way. That I just didn't really notice the music. Um, it to me, it did exactly what it was supposed to do in every scene. Well, you know, I did. That was one of the things. I mean, it's very hard to go into this movie and not like lose track of trying to no- keep of just trying to you know notice everything all at once, but. I mean, I was paying attention to the music because, I mean, Carpenter's original score for the first, for the original Halloween is phenomenal. And, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, I can just listen to that score and be fine with it. And I was like, you know, immediately drawn as soon as they start, you know, the, the, the start rolling the credits in the, from the beginning to, you know, what are they playing? How's What's it going to say? Is it going to sound similar? Is it going to be different? What, what are they going to keep? Yeah, and there's a what, lot... 
there's a lot of reworkings of the Laurie's theme and, right. and, and things that he reworks. But to the Doctor's point, more so than anything Carpenter's done for any previous Halloween films, because he scored the first three Halloween films, uh, and then Alan Howarth took over and re- kind of retrofitted his score for four and five and six. Um, but to the Doctor's point, there's a lot more ambient kind of just low-end carpet right. laying in this movie than anything he's ever done for Halloween before. So you're not supposed to notice. If you're into the scene, or if you're not in the scene, but you're just paying attention to the visuals, you're not really going to... It's not going to stand out to you like a piano-based or, or you right. know, a, a notes on a keyboard is going to stand out to you. That makes sense, Doc. That makes sense. Every uh, now and again, I have a moment. Um, well, we start oh, things off... You're all gold in my eyes. But I've, I've had a couple beers, so no. <laughs> take, take that for what's it worth. That's yeah, true. Uh, we start things off with a podcasting duo. Hey, get some podcasters in this movie, huh? Uh, from the UK, some UK podcasters visiting Smith's Grove Sanitarium. Michael Myers, he's spent the last 40 years at Smith's Grove. His personal doctor, Dr. Sartain, who took over the thankless task of caring for uh, Michael once Dr. Loomis passed away many years ago, has granted them access to interview Michael the day before he's due to be transferred out of Smith's Grove to a new facility. They go out into this kind of huge courtyard, but it's more like a football field. I mean, this thing is enormous. With yeah. like, but it's built. It's made like che- uh, checkerboards, little they're, squares. They're, yeah, they're squares and grids. And each inmate's kind of chained to a, a cement block in the middle of their square. I guess how they get their sunshine and their exercise or whatever. And, uh, well, they, they brought along his old mask. They think maybe if they recognize this, Michael, they think maybe they show him the mask, because he hadn't spoken a word in 40 years. Maybe they can get something, some kind of reaction out of him. They just wanted to speak. They wanted to, you know, to prove that it's just a man there. He's not the boogeyman. There's nothing special about him. Seemed like, uh, to me anyway, it seemed like one of the only wide shots in the whole movie. Yes, there's actually one other one later on, which I made a note of. It was so rare. Uh, unlike Carpenter's original, um, David Gordon Green shoots this film very close. Yes. Um, if you're talking to somebody, we're going to see right extreme close-ups. Extreme close-ups. It's, so a that, very that, di- it's a very different look for Halloween. Scene, I, I yeah. thought it was one of the only wides I could think it of. It was a very wide open shot, and it was about the last one we'll see until almost the end of the film. Good point, Doc. Uh, I thought it was funny though that you know one of their big thing is they they got to get Michael Myers to talk and a little bit we're gonna see them trying to get Laurie to talk. They didn't have any microphones. They came all the way from the UK and they just have like a little tiny recorder like you've got a there. Zoom. Yeah. I've got this Zoom and it's going to pick up everything clearly. I mean shit, man. We go to a cigar shop thing and we have boom mics <laughs> and like they don't bring any microphones or and not a camera. Why? Maybe they're just far more efficient than we are. Why? Maybe, well, maybe they're strictly audio. When the shit goes down and the dogs start, the, the security dogs start barking. It's actually pretty cool. And the inmates start going crazy as Michael just stands there stoically as they hold the mask out. Everyone's losing their shit. Wouldn't the female podcaster at least like take out her camera phone and like I want to capture this insanity? Apparently not. Let's give them credit for actually uh, going out and in the field to try to get some material. Mm-hmm. Oh, we did that. We went to the movies. Uh, <laughs> we did go to the movies. Popcorn. I'm sorry, but I found it amusing. Why did 
the male podcaster, and his name already escapes me. I just call them male and female podcaster. Why did he get so enraged when Michael wouldn't talk? He's holding the mask. Say something! <laughs> Say something! I'm like, what? why are you so angry, dude? I think he was trying to just do his best to rile up Michael, like his anger. Like, first of all, he's caught up in the moment because all these other Looney Tunes are just barking, he's just mad screaming, he's just like vein pulsing in his head. He's so angry. I thought that this was. I thought this scene actually kind of, without the except for. With, do you think when they're parked the outside, except, he looked at the female and like, just so you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go pretty why, crazy. Why did he get so mad? With the I, with the exception with the exception of that specifically, because that was almost like Sergio Leone. Cutting in there, he just keeps feeling like he's. I, I, I did like it. I thought, I thought, I thought it was, texturally it worked because it was like a whole bunch of barking mad lunatics going nuts. I mean, I guess he did just fly just twenty it, hours to to talk to this guy. He won't talk to him. It was senseless to me that he just started screaming and became yeah. so angry. Or to yeah. the fact that you know the doctor clearly just told him he hasn't said a word in forty years. Well, and they show the doctor Watch just this as he gets out the mask and as he keeps doing all this stuff, I keep waiting for the doctor to step in like, hey man. No, the doctor just stands there and watches. Huh? Uh, uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, but yeah, the the I mean, I don't know. I, I just pictured like us actually, going on a remote thing and like holding up the mask. Mike, you got anything? <laughs> no, nope. actually All right guys, let's regroup the Brian's. <laughs> actually during this scene I understand the doctor because, you know, he's been working closely with with Michael and he's not said a word. So well, maybe if like, he sees this mask, maybe he will say something. But I will I say I this: eventually, like the guards would come in. The other and be problem, like, no, nobody. Dude, nobody I, I just, I just kept thinking, why is Chris Martin a Coldplay getting so mad? <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of Coldplay, I've got another character I've, I've been oh, working God. on for the show. I actually uh, created him while we were in Kentucky. Uh, the hotel we were staying at, they had a karaoke night in the in the lounge there. And as we were sitting there uh, drinking some Kentucky's finest, um, Jameson, we were drinking Kentucky's Actually, finest Jameson. Right. Uh, like a shot of Jameson. Here's five. This lady, to say she poured generously would be a a severe understatement. <laughs> Yax went to the bar and got us three shots of Jameson. He came back with three pints of Jameson. Oh lord. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> anyway, we're listening to his karaoke, and I was I, so I came up with this this uh, this character. Uh, his name's Jeff, and he he's karaoke guy, but he also karaoke's the music too. So yeah, I'm Jeff. I get up on the mic for karaoke night and be like, uh, everyone, this say everyone, this is Jeff. He's going to do Coldplay's Clocks. Let me know when you're ready to start the music, Jeff. Can you say that? That's really yeah, uh, you, Doctor. You. You have some fun. You say it. What? This is some fun. Say everyone. Everyone here's here's Jeff, Jeff with uh, Coldplay's Clocks. And Jeff, let me know when you're ready to start the music. Jeff, let me know when you're ready to start the music. Oh no, Don. I I do my own music. As I'm creating this character, I realize Coldplay's Clocks is basically a ripoff of Halloween, the theme song. Because when I do the Halloween song in that voice, doo 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 doo, it's the exact same thing. I'm 0 for 8, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, put your notes away. Put those pencils away. No, I'm going to the drawing board, Tut. You know what that means. Tut, are the people on Facebook Live. Uh, the only. We just lost another three <laughs> viewers. Uh, we only had three. Damn it. Well, you mentioned Chris Martin for Coldplay. I thought I had a something there. <laughs> 
Anyway, about the podcasters. Can we get, can we get back to the... Can we get back to the... Okay, just saying I think there's something there. Uh, there's nothing Could there. Could be. Could be. Jeff, the karaoke guy who karaoke's his own music to. We'll never hear from him again, I promise. Happy? No. I don't, I don't believe you. Uh, so, yeah. So, they get no rise whatsoever out of Michael. They get a rise out of the other 50 Looney Tunes out there. And the doctor just kind of just, hey, man, he, he's got nowhere in 40 years. He's just letting him do whatever the hell he wants. We then cut to an opening credit sequence that pays a very direct tribute to the original film's opening. Only where the original credits slowly zoom in on a carved jack-o'-lantern. Uh, this time we're shown a CGI pumpkin devolve, like a time-lapse, from a rotting pumpkin as it builds itself back up to a semblance of the original pumpkin. I like the concept. I liked it too. And I appreciate the throwback to the original, but it would have been a lot cooler if they just time-lapsed a real pumpkin rotting. Yeah. It just looked fake. It looked like a computer-generated pumpkin. Did. They did. Every Halloween 1, 2, 3, Four. They all have such great opening titles, and it's all using real, you know, like it just looked. You got a budget, man. All right. How hard would it been like when you decide to do this film? Like, all right, pay some dude to just set up a camera on a pumpkin and have him film it till it rots. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. It just looked cheesy. I just thought it'd be (laughs) be cooler if it was a real pumpkin. Uh, Derek says you are batting O O. Yikes. Tough crowd, tough crowd. All right, turn turn off that Facebook thing. <laughs> this experiment is over. This experiment is over. I'm gonna show you a new character. It's called Cade, guy who hates Facebook. <laughs> Wait, that's that's not a character. How about Cade, guy who hates Derek? Again, catch more flies with honey. <laughs> All right, I like Derek. I like Derek Matthews, and I don't like many people. That's high praise. After the credits, we join the two British podcasters at Laurie Strode's house slash compound. They that was easy to find, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, for Christ's sake, you've been, you've been hiding for 40 years. You've turned your house into a seven-level video game, but oops, I forgot to take my address out of the white pages. Might have started there before you strung up the concertina wire. I, I don't know. I mean, they just drive right up to the place. I mean, well, they do. Oops. And it says Strode on the mailbox. Let's see, I've been uh, firing at mannequins with shotguns for 40 years. I've built all these booby traps. Damn it, I forgot to enlist my phone. I, I actually didn't really think about how they found her that easily. <laughs> Man, you guys are harsh. Uh, well, they had, they do have some resistance getting her to buzz them in. Well, I mean, it does... It it's a big barbed wire electronic gate that, uh, that they do. It is. Um, and here in Texas, we take our compounds seriously. Absolutely. Uh, love a good compound. We love a good compound. Don't love it too much, or no. the government will come in and burn you alive in that compound. <laughs> too soon? No. No. Uh, until she's, she's on a little intercom, she's like, you know, piss off or whatever. Uh, she doesn't say, how, how'd you find me? <laughs> uh, but they do mention they have $3,000 if she'll let him in talk to her. and <laughs> Gate opens. Uh, she could have maybe... A, do you guys have Michael Myers with you? I really think they could have... You Just know, checking. She, she could have... She, the, the British girl really could have said, we have $1,000? I mean, I, 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 thought, they, I thought the same... It's kind of funny you said that. I was like, I would have started like 1500 and like, Give me a little work, work up. Look, we got 500 bucks. I think she would have gone for that one, too. 
Yeah, we never learned. I'm how just she... really bad at negotiating. Here, take all the money first. We never learned how she paid for this compound. Well, she apparently, you know, did odd jobs. Apparently, maybe she does a lot of these interviews or non-interviews where, like, Inside Edition comes out to the compound and she just doesn't, you know. Here's three thousand bucks. I'm not going to talk to. Not going to say anything. Well, speaking of which, she doesn't really say much to him. When they get up to the house, which is completely surrounded by dense forest and a bazillion security cameras, several deadbolts unlock and they're greeted at the door by Lori Strode once again for the fifth time. Uh, if you count 2002's Resurrection, resurrection, which I don't, portrayed by the one and only Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm not going to spend a lot of time comparing this version of Lori to the one we were shown in H2O, but whereas that Lori at least tried to put on a public persona of having her, her shit together, this one could care less about appearances. Uh, couldn't care less. One bit. She spent the last 40 years suffering from the trauma of 1978, and it shows... The podcasters try unsuccessfully to get Laurie to reveal anything new. He's also kind of a dick. He's like, admit there's no boogeyman. Admit Michael Myers is just... He's trying to get... Kind of like he did in the yard with Michael. Management issues. <laughs> yeah, he's, I think it's just his uh, his MO. Like, yeah. I'm not getting anywhere with this. Crank up the anger. <laughs> Tut style. <laughs> no, no, no. I've turned, I've turned over our new lead. You did say you were going to be nicer to me. I'm going to be nice. Well, um, not to you, but oh. nicer. Um, but he's just like, you know, admit it, there's no boogeyman. He's, Michael Myers is just a breathing human being. He's There's nothing special about him, and boogeyman doesn't exist. Say it! Say it! And she's not saying shit. Lori uh, Strode, you're in the hot seat. She, to Sam Kinison. Say, say it! Well, I wish I could believe that. I guess that's an interesting theory about the boogeyman. I was there. <laughs> she didn't flinch. And she's clearly annoyed they're there, despite their prodding. She's Basically sends them away three grand poor with absolutely nothing to show for it. Where do these podcasters get three grand from and they can't get microphones? <laughs> Nobody's talked to her in 40 or years. At least pull out your little Zoom recorder and see Anything. Can you imagine if we showed up for a paid gig and all he had was that tiny little thing in his hand? Uh, that, the recorder thing. I've done that before. It hasn't gone well. <laughs> it hasn't gone well. If you could just talk right into this. <laughs> Hi, Lori. Uh, if you could, we'd just use our phones. If you could just talk in... Re- I'm recording on my phone. What the hell? You flew over from England. Well, at least, you know, you didn't, like, like pull out, like, you know, the 1980s, like, little tape recorder. Oh, like, yeah, well... I actually kind of like that. You know, at least a little click-click. Um... It could have been like true hipsters. He brings out like a, you know, gramophone. And you could actually just <laughs> carve it right there. Oh, the one from Silent Night 2, the old spools of record <laughs> tape. Real quick, guys. Uh, where are we, how are we doing with the cigar? Um, I'm, I'm hoping that the strength picks up. It's consistent. It is consistent, but I'm still hoping that the strength picks up. It is kind of weird for a cigar named the Michael, after, you know, the, the slasher of all slashers, to be kind of not... Slashing up the, you know, strength and 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 balls. I mean, it's 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 almost on the mild side of medium. It it, it is on the mild side of medium. It's Which for Nicaraguan Nicaraguan filler and that's and what I, you know. It's perplexing. Oh, great well. draw, great construction. Yeah, I, I'm not. I I guess I should be more familiar with Ecuadorian wrappers. Is that what it was? And you know, maybe that's what's muting it down. Uh, I don't know. I guess I I guess mentally I had this image of what this cigar was going to be. Mm-hmm. This cigar's not that profile, and so I'm trying to divorce myself 
you know, I don't want to judge it compared to what my assumption was. I want to judge it for what the cigar is. I will say after the first third, uh, I'm just starting the second third. Uh, for me, the, the spice has picked up on the nose. I got a little bit of burn in the nose. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm still getting a, a very muted earthiness yes. and coffee on the yes. on the draw, but it's but it's 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 subdued. It's it's not, you know. I mean, hell, man, it's weird to say a Michael Myers cigar is a breakfast cigar. It, it, no, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of it, it kind of sounds weird, but I mean, I can go outside in the morning with this. I'd be happy. I was about to say, throw me a cup of cup of Joe and put this cigar in my hand, and I, it would be pretty good. Yeah, I'm almost thinking maybe a, a stronger IPA would have been in order or something to kind of kick your ass on the drink side. Uh, live, you learn. Or an oatmeal stout. <sighs> Nobody's drinking oatmeal stouts. Sounds terrible. I, I would have drank If you could stout. find me the Sam Loomis oatmeal stout, <laughs> drink the damn thing. That would have been awesome. Well, there's always next Halloween. I'm sure There'll as much money as this fucker made this weekend, it'll we'll have another There's one. Be another one, yeah. Um, all right, and the beer, I man, I just I really like it. Um, pairing aside, yeah, maybe a stronger beer could have could have helped out the cigar a little bit, but I I'm I'm, I'm enjoying the beer. It's a good IPA. Doc. Uh, yeah, definitely. Dex, I like it. That's all I need to hear. I'm not gonna ask him anymore. Um, we oh, then yeah. meet. So we go back to the movie. We meet Lori's. Uh, we then meet Lori's daughter, Karen, her granddaughter, Allison, and the Wiz. Karen's husband, who actually like in this film, is played by guy Toby Huss, who was the Wiz on Seinfeld. Look at me, I'm the Wiz. That's all I could see. This whole movie, every time he came on screen, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Kept, like I'm the Wiz. I just kept waiting for him to do the Wiz. Out of and he also gave Rusty Griswold his fake ID in Vegas Vacation. Correct. That was kind of what Giorgio. I saw. Him he first. was the guy that takes the picture of him with the oh, wow. sandwich board. Wow. Yeah, that's him. And it. Changed this quite was, a lot. In 20 yeah. Years. I, I mean, he. Uh, can't believe that you guys like. I had no idea who he was. Straight up got that. Uh, yeah, you're not a Seinfeld guy, but yeah, he, he was the Vegas Vacation, the street guy who gives the fake IDs. And I'm, I mean, as soon as I saw him, he, this was probably one of the. He was the only character where I'm like, I, he doesn't fit. <laughs> He's one of the few I liked. I mean, just because like when I saw him, I'm like I, and that's I, I saw say, the Wiz. I saw <laughs> he also did he also did a movie with the Kelsey Grammer down Periscope. He was one of the crew members on the submarine, yeah. and that's all I could see him as doing that. And I'm just like. I don't necessarily like his lines and how it was written, but I thought he came off uh, better than a lot of people, which we'll get to shortly. It's a typical getting ready for school and work breakfast table scene where we establish that Karen has a fractured relationship with her mother, Lori, at best. Um, Allison, her daughter, asks mom to invite Lori to her honor society celebration that night, and you can tell Karen's really hesitant to call her mom. Then dad somehow smears peanut butter on his penis, and they're off to start their day. That, that, that was a total Danny McBride line. I guarantee. Yeah, you. and it wasn't funny, and no dad is ever going to Actually, like. Actually, there was a couple of chuckles in the. Hey, hon, oh, uh, you're late for school. You better get going. I've, oh somehow God, I got, I peanut, got butter peanut butter on my penis. on my penis. It was stupid. It wasn't funny. It was unrealistic. It was Danny yeah. McBride. I guess that proves why I don't laugh at Danny McBride stuff. I didn't it think it was funny. It wasn't. We're. I think we're getting closer, Doc, to where we're gonna our ships are gonna meet in the. Um, where was I? Oh, peanut butter on the penis. 
Is that a is that a stout? Did anybody do the peanut butter on the penis stout? I don't think I'm so. not doing that on the show. No. God, what cigar do I? You know you would. What cigar and movie you do know I do? You would. With that, yeah, I probably would. Um, it's a typical getting ready for school peanut butter on the penis. Oh yeah. Karen here is played by veteran actor Judy Greer. She's been a lot of tight. You've probably seen her. You do all those rom coms. She's in all those thirteen going on thirty and. The Devil Wears Prada. The mother? The mother, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I, I knew you... Yeah. Uh, She's been in a lot of stuff. And I like it... I'm sorry, go, oh, ahead. No, no, go ahead. I like it because it. this is the one of the few times that I've actually seen her, like, mothered up. Mm-hmm. Normally, times she's kind of like dolled up, mm-hmm. and this is the first time she just she kind of like looked like a human being. It's kind of cool. Well, she's she in that she, notoriously troubled... Uh, Horror movie that came out in the early 2000s, Cursed. Oh, the werewolf movie. Yeah. Werewolf one. She was in that. Uh, she's been in a lot of stuff. I, I'm uh, familiar with her, but um, well, for the, I mean, for the woman. off-screen, just for her voice acting, she's also very well known for being one of the voice in the Archer TV show. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes, Cheryl Tunt. Yeah. She does the voice. Yeah. Archer animated. Archer? It's a great cartoon. Oh, Archer. I was thinking the Arrow show. No, no, no. no, 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 no. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, he is an Archer. Uh, yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, she's good on that. Okay. Uh, well, she plays the Lori's daughter, and then Allison, her granddaughter, is played by a newcomer, Andy Matichak. And I think they both really stink to high heaven in this movie. Uh, it's like Judy Greer had never been asked to breathe life into a character on screen before. She seemed awkward, stiff, and it didn't come off at all to me like a character choice. She just really all... It just looked like she didn't know what she was doing. She looked like a normal mom. Ultimately, these two actresses were my major problem with the film. As family and the complicated ties involved with a very complicated family are the central crucial element to the story... Didn't do it for me, boys. Halloween 4 and 5 have special places in my heart because I cared so deeply about little Jamie and her foster sister, Rachel. Those two actresses' performances made me believe in the worlds that those films created, despite how batshit crazy things got. And I didn't get anything close to it from these two actresses. I uh, agree, obviously, with everything that you said as far as the the older characters in the previous films. I, I thought... We'd get to the podcasters first, but uh, I'll just go ahead and say it because I, I felt the same way about the podcasters. Quite honestly, um, with the possible exception of Jamie Lee Curtis, I was completely indifferent to every character in this movie. And that's a cardinal sin. You the whole idea of bringing somebody. in an indie director with like some real cred on his resume... Is because hey, he knows how to work with actors. He knows how to get performances, and it's like, what happened? I was completely indifferent. I, I didn't. The podcasters would be at a microcosm where they didn't bother me. They didn't. No, I, I they, laughed at the, the when he gets crazy when he gets enraged. They didn't bother me. Uh, I didn't care when they left the film. Uh, and like I said, with the possible exception of Jamie Lee, everybody jumping ahead, but Will Patton, who's a guy that I generally like. Everybody, uh, just I was totally indifferent to their plight completely. That, that's that's kind of where I would be. I, I I I can support the indifference versus the these actresses that you know have no business you know being on this film or acting. Indifference is there, yes, 
I can see that. Oh no, because they were, Judy Greer they has were shown just, she can she can were, act. They were, yes. They were just to me they were filler. It was like this whole thing was filler because they knew the meat of this thing was Lori versus Michael. Oh no, Let's to Kate's point. That. To Kate's point, they're not supposed to be filler. You're supposed to care about that granddaughter. That that's key. Maybe, maybe that's, but I think it, that I think that's a direction choice. I the don't number think one, on the, the number one rule in film in horror films. I understand that. You gotta care in order to scare. My indifference that. is meant to be a damning comment. That's, that's the way I mean, I mean it. If you, if you wanted to make the husband and, and the the daughter indis, you know, like well, they're gonna die, or we we just don't want the real thing here is the granddaughter and Lori. Well, you know, you weren't even doing a good job of making me like the no. granddaughter. I mean, they didn't really give her anything. Like what? She's not filler. You're you're supposed to empathize with the granddaughter. That Correct. Was, that I read that was a hotly sought after role. A lot of real experienced young actresses wanted that role. Emma and they, Roberts, Lucy Hale. They, I got nothing. And and Emma Roberts. I got, Emma Roberts would have been great. Here's the thing, though. Because Judy Greer's an established actress, Will Patton's an established actor, I'm just wondering, because I just got, it was universal for me, that indifference. I didn't didn't hate you. Didn't, you know, sometimes... You gotta blame the director. Sometimes in a, in a horror movie, if it's not the empathy, it's, you know, all the Friday the 13th, so there's a, you're like, God, I hate this dude, I can't wait to see this dude fucking get his come up, and didn't feel that way about anybody? Totally indifferent. But at least in those movies, when those characters, those goofball, you know, throwaway characters... That's a good job. At least they're not pulling me out of it, like, is this person, like... Judy Greer was, like... It's like she wasn't understanding her lines, and she wasn't understanding like what she was supposed to be doing. She's a she's a good actress. Clearly, yeah. she has a big career. She wasn't directed well in this movie. I blame. I and blame. a young actress who had done nothing. The the girl playing Allison, she needs direction if if she's that fresh, you know, to the scene. And I got nothing from her. I got nothing. And that the whole thing is based around Lori's family, a big part of it anyway. Yeah. Those those roles got a hit. And they felt did. like they were just going down a checklist. They like, did. They, they, they did. Husband, wife, granddaughter. Yeah. House. Okay. Man, you got did, you got I mean, a you got a nice budget, and you can really get the the cream of the crop as far as acting. Get the best you can, and don't just direct by standing by and letting them feel out their character. And hey, you know, get in there and say this isn't working. I think I there are that. other. I, I, I can understand. I think there's there's. Uh, we haven't quite gotten to the big picture yet, at least as far as I'm concerned. There's other reasons for my total feeling of indifference to almost every uh, character. We'll get there. We'll get there as we get to them. Uh, well, that night, the prisoners from Smith's Grove are loaded onto a bus for their transfer to a new facility with Dr. Sartain along for the ride. Doctor, is a doctor, do you ever go on bus rides with your patients? Fuck no. <laughs> I believe him. Although I actually got in trouble because I uh, had watched an episode of Sunny in Philadelphia and Danny DeVito referred to a mental institution as a nitwit school. <laughs> and so I use that term. And so I'm not really, I'm kind of persona non grata at most of the mental institutions throughout the at state. The, at the nitwit school. Because I call it a nitwit school. <laughs> well, we see Lori parked nearby as the, I was drunk. <laughs> as the asylum inmates are, are being led into the bus. She's parked over on the side of the road, a pistol gripped tightly in her hand. When she sees the shape, this is the first film where she actually refers to Michael as the shape, the shape. and that's been his name in the credits from movie one, but it's the first time 
she's ever called him that. Anybody, I believe, has ever called him that. She completely, upon seeing him, and believably loses her shit. She screams out loud in the car to everyone, to no one. It's a thousand pounds of heartache and 40 years of suffering, hitting her all at once with just the sight of him. I thought it was a truly breathtaking, intimate, absolutely believable character moment. And I thought Jamie Lee Curtis nailed it. I thought her performance in the movie was good. I always liked her. I I just thought if you have been for 40 years reliving that night, when you actually saw the shape, when you actually saw the man who, who has basically ruined every day of your life, adult life, I believe when she just went crazy just screaming and just I, I just I completely bought it yeah if we're if we're to, if we're taking if we're gonna go along with the storyline that, that those events of 40 years ago totally her, traumatized her, her trauma point, is her trauma is that real then yeah her, her performance is and let's it. face it the night of 1978 could very well inflict that kind of trauma on a girl to see all your friends dead to be chased and wounded by a, a, a masked killer it's not that far-fetched to think that would fuck you up for the rest of your life. Yes. People, human beings have been mentally crippled by a lot less. Myself included. Very true. Man, no, I she- hesitate to get ahead of myself here, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Uh, yes, great job by her. I agree with you. Uh, I, I bought that, that emotional breakdown there. I mean, that's that's that was a tour de force performance by her. You and I, you purposefully didn't want to really discuss this with me before now. Yeah. You did mention that H2O would be a, an elephant in the room. I would buy, and this is going to open a whole can of worms, but what the hell. I would buy the fact that she is so traumatized as she is if part two had been included and instead of three people... 15 had been killed and she'd had the whole thing in the hospital and the whole thing that he was her brother was in there. That I would have bought the fact that she is that far living the way she is if, if that was there. That's a great point. Uh, you, leave H2, uh, you leave H2 in, the original 1981 Halloween 2. All of a sudden the body count is quadrupled. What she went through is quadrupled. Her trauma would be quadrupled, obviously. That's uh, a very, it's a very good point, and it, and actually there are characters in this movie that say like, what's the big deal? He stabbed three girls. Yeah. Like that happens every day. You can't turn on the news without a guy stabbing more people than that every single day. You know, granted it wasn't quite as back then. Granted he did wear a very scary Halloween mask and target babysitters. It was very unique. But I mean, in the scheme of American crime. There's been a million Michael Myers since Michael Myers. What's the big deal about this guy? Yeah. But you know, I, I'm a big I'm a big believer in everything's relative. This was her experience. It was her experience. This is what she went through. It was. I think there's I think there's a lot of credence to what you said as it, far as. It, while I will accept that as a commentary, at the same time, it's a small town. You know, we 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 know small towns when shit happens. It, it's big. It's big news. But also. Also, I mean, I think it's important, too, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but, I mean, this film makes the most of her trauma because, you know, I'll get into it later, but, you know, this film is very much her obsession with Michael 
not vice versa. Whereas every film is Michael obsessed and stalking someone. That's not the case in this film. Yeah, I kind of want to comment on that, but I'll. But I'll wait, wait, I, I, I am going to get to it. Yeah. But she, but I, I'm glad you agree. She nails it. She absolutely nails it. You know who else nails it, boys? Who nails it? Our good friends at Drew Estate. What? They make a unique cigar line called Acid. Ever heard of them? Yes. All the Acid cigars are carefully handcrafted using some of the world's finest tobacco with more than 140 herbs, botanicals, and other essential oils to get their unique aroma and flavor. I mentioned this last episode. Uh, Yak Boy uses at least 75 to 80 essential oils and botanicals. He loves botanicals. On his skin before each podcast, and you smell amazing. Thanks. And your skin is flawless. It is. He is smooth. He's like a little seal. He's just breaking apart acids and just rubbing it. Are you rubbing acid cigars on your face? I'm not here to tell you my secrets. (laughs) I'll never tell. (laughs) We'd all be that smooth. (laughs) I'll never tell. Galgon, take me away. (laughs) Kuba, Kuba, take me away. Uh, Experiencing acid cigars is the only way to truly understand them. I'll vouch for that. Similar to all Drew Estate cigars, their construction is flawless since they are rolled in Sumatra, Maduro, Connecticut, and African wrappers. So head on out to your favorite cigar retailer now and grab a handful of acid cigars and let us know what you think. All right. Elsewhere in Hanfield, the family, this I don't know what their new last name is, but Lori's, Lori's family, uh, daughter, granddaughter, and dad are celebrating Allison's acceptance into the high school honor society with a nice dinner at a upscale restaurant. Well, hey, I never saw Seinfeld, but let's just say the Wiz family. It's Allison Wiz, Karen Wiz, the Wiz's. and, and uh, what's his name? The Wiz, Ray. Ray Wiz. The Wiz. The Wizzes are uh, having a nice little dinner to celebrate the... Were you guys in the High School Honor Society? I don't think I was. Did they have an Honor Society at high school? They had an Honor Society. I was in the the Golden Key. That's better than Honor Society, right? I think Golden Key is better than Honor Society. I I believe so. Since uh, we're not following our normal format, I'm about to sneak away. Yeah. All right. That's had one too many IPAs. It always reminds me of my little joke from college where I made the dean's probationary list. <laughs> the dean's what? The dean's list. The dean's probationary list. Yax <laughs> oh, <man>. um, <laughs> was on. <laughs> he knows. Yax, <laughs> yeah, you were there. Uh, well, Allison has brought her douchebag boyfriend Cameron along for the dinner, and it turns out his dad... Lonnie Elam used to get in a bunch of trouble back in the old days with Lori's dad, Ray. This is a nice little throwback, uh, as Lonnie Elam was one of the punk little kids from the original film who smashed Tommy Doyle's pumpkin at school. And remember when Loomis caught the kid creeping up to the Myers house? Hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. That was this kid's dad. I always thought it was Lonnie Lamb, but I guess it was Lonnie Elam. Lonnie Elam, yeah. You know, besides... There, uh, a few other points that happened previously till we got to this. This is where I really, you know, I just say it's like there is in this movie so many little Easter eggs and these hints. I like them. The, I love. No, I do. I do. It just literally. And that was one of the things that it was it, watching this movie, trying to time, trying to stay focused to the story it was also very hard because as soon as you hear that reference you start thinking about things yeah or you see something on screen off on the side like oh my god that was that's directly from the first one yeah you and i mean like 
you can just go back and watch this movie and just it, like something in every scene is a throwback to the original. There's so many little mm, little nice twists. Little touches, but touches do not a movie make. I think they hinged. Uh, I think there was too much thought that that was gonna. They do not. Well, that's one of the criticisms that I have, like with Star Wars. Eventually, you Force have, Awakens was basically Star Wars karaoke. You have you have to move past the nod. Star Wars, <laughs> give me those Star Wars. <laughs> they'll the, never uh, end. You have to move past the the nods. And actually, I will say, you know, we talked about the no wides. I kind of wish that if there was one nod to the original Carpenter that I would have loved, I would have loved some neighborhood establishing shots. Some just wide angle, this is my environment, this is my city. They don't give you that. And that that wasn't there. Uh, But yeah, I thought that... Totally off the no, but no, I, no, but, you're right but I thought there, this right? little this this actually was this was actually a night rather than a little throwaway visual. You know, I thought making Allison's boyfriend's dad the little punk kid from the first one I thought was a nice little touch. It was. Uh, uh, no, I did like it, but it's just like yeah. I said, it's one of those things where you know you hear that name, you yeah. hear that, you're like, oh, there it is. There well, it this is. this will not be our only nod to the previous films. Uh, despite Karen wishing she hadn't, Lori makes an appearance at the dinner. Uh, she just came from the the bus, watching and the bus get loaded, and immediately TNCC style grabs a bottle, a glass of wine off the table, and chugs it. Drunk mom, drunk, drunk mom. mom, drunk this, drunk, drunk grandma. Thank this you. is exactly. I I literally I freaked out because I was like, oh my god. It's drunk that, mom. It's drunk but just like we always talk about for the guests, that such an influence from the original, by like influenced by Halloween. Now the guest is influenced. Halloween 2018. I mean, Drunk I literally, mom. I was, you know, like, I, do you, do you I'm throwing up, I was throwing popcorn, was? like, oh my god, that, that was because no. I love it. Cause, no, it was the, it was the finger. Point. She, was, she's drinking that one, and she's, she just said, wait. If she drank more throughout the film, I might go there. Okay, but, but all right, I, I give you that. She's having some drinks, mom. All right. Uh, she was sitting in the car watching the bus. Wasn't she? Didn't she throw back a little? No, airplane? she did have a little airplane bottle, yeah. doctor style. Yeah. I, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, once you say that, it's doctor style, really. It's not like a little bottle of Tito's <laughs> over there. This happens as a matter of course. Uh, Lunchtime. And- well, it's frankly a miracle she's able to show up at this dinner at all after a mental breakdown in the car watching Michael board the bus. But despite her volatile history with her daughter Karen and her family, she does love them. She absolutely does love them. Yes. And there was a scene I, I skipped earlier that day at school where Allison is sitting in the classroom and it's a direct copy of the scene in the original where Lori's sitting in the classroom, only when Lori looks out the window across the street she sees Michael when Allison looks out the window, she sees Lori, who's come to see her and then Lori ends up, she goes outside and Lori gives her the $3,000 from the podcasters to use for college or whatever and Allison doesn't want the money, she only wants a relationship with her grandma uh, which, it's 40 years of pretty bad shit, it's not that easy but Lori's trying in her own drunken, and in, traumatic way. And, and Lori is just sitting there in the classroom, her teacher. Her, well, you don't see her, but the voice of the Allison's teacher in the class is PJ Souls, who was Linda in the original Halloween. Okay. Oh, the uh, the friend. The blonde, yeah. Gotcha. Who died, so it doesn't make much sense. that. <laughs> well, that's why you don't see her. Yeah, but her voice is very... <laughs> I knew it immediately when I heard it. It's like, She's supposed to be dead. Yeah, but you guys are like, you know, super Halloween fans. Yeah, but that was one of those that's, things. That's who was meant for them just to notice that. Oh, it's the voice of a dead woman. <laughs> that right. one that one I could have done without. <laughs> I'm just saying. It, it was... took me out of it. Well, we then cut to a young boy in the car driving through the night. 
would you put this kid at? Ten? Yeah. Easily. No, no older than that. No, Ma- no. I would Maybe. say I would say ten to twelve. No yeah. more. Yeah, I would right. say that, no that, more that, than that was the age range they were trying for. Can we say eleven? Okay. I did we'll say compromise. ten to twelve. Split the difference. Hmm. We see an eleven-year-old boy and his old-ass dad. Why couldn't they just say it was his grandpa taking him hunting? I mean, seriously, That's like so. his. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad's not that old. No, I was saying if I were to have a kid. Oh, yeah, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> no, but this guy was like. 80s tut style. I didn't understand that at all. And you've already got Judy Greer married to a much older man than her. See, that, that whole that whole but thing, it, I just had but to hey, take a I mean, older 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 guys marry younger girls. That that's okay. But I was like, why didn't they just make it his grandpa? I don't know. Again, something else that script wise just threw me out of it. As they drive along a foggy road on the outskirts of Haddonfield, they come across a bus crash. The Smith's Grove Asylum bus has crashed, to be precise, and there's mental patients wandering around all over the place. Again, throwback to the first uh, movie. I actually like this scene. It was nicely shot. Probably, maybe my favorite scene in the film as far as the way it was It was orchestrated. Shot. It was nice and The music was really prevalent in this. Uh, old dad gets out to check on things, not TNCC style. We're not no, getting out of that car. What are these guys in white robes bumbling about Jesus doing anything? You know what? I'm gonna get out and take care, get no, some answers. You know, I, I figured the, you know, I figured the little the the little boy like you know, Dad, what's going on? Well, nothing we need to worry about. <laughs> Wait, are, they, are, are they going hunting or are they going camping? Because if it was hunting, you know, back home in East Texas, we'd just be like. They had guns. They did have guns, so I'm assuming... Well, he was saying, you know, like, don't you want to do that? And the little kid's like, saying, I want to go dance. I'm like, I... Oh, that was more dialogue. The kid just wants to be a dancer. It was just bad dialogue. I, yeah, well, yeah, I just thought... I'm, okay, all, for, I could, I'm all for little personal dialogues to, like, create character moments. I thought it was a push to show the modern times, and it was like, look how modern... None of these was. little moments between characters work for me at all. Yeah. Do not care. Absolutely uh, correct. And uh, on that note, uh, I like to go fishing for another catfish. <laughs> now you're talking. But yeah, the scene was in, entirely creepy. Uh, I love the fog setting, the crash school bus. Even though it was like an inmate bus, it was still kind of creepy. You see that school bus there. The white was was stark contrast against the black. Yeah. It was it worked. Well, when old dad doesn't return, the boy grabs his hunting rifle from the car and goes looking for old dad. But upon finding a guard's mutilated body, I think it was one of the guards. Uh, dude, his neck is all fucked up. Oh, it there's was bones. A good scene, man. It was really good it was effect. A good effect. Yeah. Uh, there's bones like sticking sideways out of it. It's a really gruesome uh, effect. When he sees that, he immediately runs back to the car, and before he can turn the key and, and get the actually, hell out, actually, he shoots the doctor. Oh, it's true. Doctor yeah, Sartain like, hey, pops up from the back of the bus. I'm okay, and he shoots his ass. <laughs> I just like that boy. Never get on the bus with the nitwits. <laughs> that doctor, you got a point there. You don't ride on that bus. Uh, he does. He shoots Doctor Sartain, gets scared, runs back to his car, uh, and before he can put the key in and turn it, Michael emerges from the back seat, a la Annie Brackett's death in the original, and he bashes the kid's head repeatedly into the window, killing him and driving off. Okay, I this, can't believe they went there. I can't. Oh, I can't. This death is super important for a couple reasons later on. So be patient with me. I understand. Yeah, we never see Michael, even in the sequels that don't exist that we've seen. 
that we're led to believe don't never kills a little kid. Never kills the kids. Exactly. But man, he he goes at it. He kills this little little. And I was, that's what that's yeah. I was just kind of like I can't believe that they went there. I really can't believe that they they killed the kid. Which I understand it was a great move in terms of establishing just how serial this guy is. Uh, I always liked the aspect of Myers not doing that. Now he's he he just doesn't fuck around. Like in the first movie with Tommy and the pumpkin. When he runs into him on the Lonnie. And even in part four, he's in town to kill his niece. So this is not something that's going to be beyond him. But when he doesn't know who Jamie is, when he gets the mask in the drugstore and he has he doesn't know who she is yet, you see what, like him in the mirror, he like kind of like swipes at her with his hand. Like, he's not going to kill her, but get out of the way. Yeah. But there, there was that kind of thing. I always liked that I, because I didn't care about this kid, and his his because I was indifferent again, just like I was. You with didn't everybody. care about him because he wanted to be a dancer. I was fine with him wanting to dance. I mean, you oh, know, okay. I just want to dance. Just just you know, do whatever you want to do, babe. You know, but that's fine with me. <laughs> but uh, I just uh, man, the scene didn't work for me like it did for you guys. I kept thinking that I thought the, the tension was played great. I kind of wanted to see the bus crash, which was so different because, oh, like, and if God. you look at if you look at the first Halloween, it's a great thing that you don't see the asylum breakout and they're all wandering around out yeah. there in the rain. Well, there's Here, a re- it just it didn't. It there's didn't a reason why I think we don't see the bus crash, and I'll get to that later. Okay. I keep saying we'll get to things later. Eventually, we'll get. <laughs> I hope we'll, so. we'll get there later. Eight catfishes uh, later. Eh, fuck <laughs> it. Speaking of which, a little later on. <laughs> Uh, police officer Hawkins, as you said, played by Will Patton, is the guy. I like name? I like this dude. He's from Armageddon. Armageddon. I like Will Patton. He's been in a ton of stuff. Um, he's been in he's been uh, the good thing in some bad movies. Yeah. Uh, he was in oh, uh, Punisher. Wasn't he in the Punisher? He was in the Punisher. He was, he was, in the Punisher. He was John. Kane. He was John Travolta's uh, side, side gay yes. gay side. Yes, yes, he was very good in that, and, and uh, that was not a good movie, but he was good in he it. He had probably the best line in that entire fucking movie. Doesn't the gay department store guy come up to him like? Can I get you some new boxer briefs? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, oh, that's great. He goes up there and he's like, "Are you looking at some socks?" And he just turns and says, "Go fuck yourself." <laughs> he's got that. He's got a good. He's got a great look about him. He's yeah. got a good southern accent. But he's older now, and he looks. He uh he was uh also played the villain in the notorious Kevin Costner movie The Postman. Yes, yeah, he's good in that. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of us, or at least you and me, kind of think that Remember the Titans is a cheesy movie. No, but, I, I liked him. Yeah. I liked him as. Uh, the, the I thought coach. he was really good yeah. in that as the coach. Uh, uh, what was that, that movie you let me borrow? Oh, that was Remember the Tight Ones. Remember the Tight Ones, yeah. That was a different movie. And I'm going to need Gridiron was, Gangbang back the next time. Was he in that? He was in Remember the Titans. Oh, Titans. Yeah. Mm. I like the actor. I, I, I like him a lot. Uh, again, I would say that that's another one like Judy Greer. This is an accomplished actor. And uh, when I saw all the previews and I thought, oh, Will Patton's going to play the, the cop. He's going to have the sort of bracket, bracket kind of role. I was yeah. like, that, that's a nice, I like him. Again, totally indifferent. I will say he didn't bother me, but I got nothing out of his performance. That's indifference. I, I was about to say that's kind of fitting you with y'all's the, theme. That's the definition yeah, of indifference. indifference. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't so much indifferent to him. I just felt indifference. Oh, those, those are the same things. They are. Oh, okay. You were indifferent, uh, not apathetic. Well, he's the oldest serving uh, policeman on the squad. Uh, he gets a call over the radio to check out the highway accident. When he arrives on the scene, he sees all the carnage. Uh, Dr. Sartain is alive. Uh, the kid just winged him. 
but when he sees Michael Myers' name on Too the bad. transfer list, he's got the he looks through the papers and he's they they managed to scrounge up most of the inmates. But when he sees Michael Myers' name on the list, uh oh, he was on the force back in '78, so yeah. he knows exactly what this means. And then we get to the next day. Another poor timeline cut. I'm sorry, you you would totally be retired if you were a cop 40 years earlier. Probably. Well, yeah. Well, they don't yeah. they don't work till they're 65. They retire. You know, it's a small town. That's a small well, if you town. want to go there, I mean, Judy Greer was born in 75, so she's our age. Yes. <laughs> so. Like I said, I can take a leap of faith with some of that stuff. Of course. The next day is Halloween. Comes up on the screen as it always does. Halloween. Is that Coldplay? No. No, that's that's John Carpenter. Sounds like Coldplay. Lori's drinking some coffee in her compound when she hears about the bus accident on the news. She's not surprised at all by what by what went down. She fires up her pickup truck, turns on the police scanner, and off goes Ahab to get her white whale. She's on it. She's been waiting for this. Would have been a lot cooler if we started laced that coffee with some rum before she hit the road. <laughs> That's why she's not drunk, Mom. That's true. Yeah, all right. All right, I'll give you that. Well, at least she didn't, you know, like... <laughs> she pauses the news. At least she didn't, like, you know, Irish up that coffee. Lines. I have to get my rifle from the basement. <laughs> um, speaking of drinking... I got um, to go and get my rifle from the basement. <laughs> speaking of drinking, um, everybody still enjoying the beer? Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. very much so. Yeah. Uh, boy, I don't know. You have enough of them, Tut. You, you come around. You have enough of them, you come around, man. It's, uh, screw that oatmeal. This natural light like is this. delicious. I'm liking this IPA. I will say, does the bitterness get a little more noticeable for you with, as the beers go on? The bitterness? Yeah. I actually think the bitterness Mine or the beers? died down. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I thought that the oh, bitterness man. was there in the first uh, first couple. For me, the, the bitterness seems to, to pick up a little bit in the, hmm. in the light of beers. That's probably take another point off from crazy. Maybe it's a cigar. Uh, the cigar for me has not picked up in strength. Actually, uh, give it about another inch and it will. Uh, okay. I'm hey, a, hey. <laughs> that's something I say to all my I'm dates. A, I'm a little bit ahead of you guys. And <laughs> Just gotta strength, find that other inch. <laughs> the strength does pick up a little bit. Uh, you're getting more of a, a classic Nicaraguan presence. Uh-huh. Uh, you're getting a little bit more earth. The earth is way Actually, more yeah, I'm getting a little. Pronounced. I'm getting a little bit of that Nicaraguan mineral now with yeah. the earth. I'm still getting the coffee. Uh, the spice in the nose is is like a, it's still slowly building. So you're liking the second half a lot better than the first. I am. I am. Okay, doctor. I'd say it's still fairly consistent. Um, I just did a, a retro hail, and that that did pick up a little extra spice on it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very consistent, and I I like that. You you are a man of consistency. Okay. All right. Ted, how's the old Facebook Live thing going over there? It's going. You got people uh, people watching. It says uh, Matt Kate is watching. Oh, I turn off my phone. Sorry. I like to watch myself. No, nah, it's cool. I shout out to my high school friends or my hey. Facebook line. I've got some high school friends and some college friends. Romla's watching. Some old, uh, that's a throwback from yeah. the old O'Brien's day. I remember she was like one of the first personalities I met there. Well, let Facebook uh, Live folks know we're going to be giving away a, a T-shirt here pretty soon. Okay, we're going to be giving away a T-shirt here pretty soon. Uh, I thought you could like type it in somewhere. No. Uh, well, if they're watching, they'll still they'll still see. I don't know how any of this works, uh, but all we have are extra large T-shirts. So, ladies, if that seems big, you could always sleep in it. It's got the doctor's face on it. 
that's what you that's what you them? want on your body late at night. That's what you want to cuddle up to. Uh, and uh, <laughs> please, just one person out there. <laughs> hey, nobody Sorry. nobody Sorry. wants it. I'll sleep in it tonight. You better not be fooling. I got your back. Uh, so yeah, we'll be, uh, you know what? Leave us a leave us a good comment. What's your favorite Halloween film, and why? And we'll give you a shirt. And I'm still fielding questions. Okay. Does that seem like good? I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's already done it. He did it right now. What's oh, your right. I just said that, and that's the Halloween film, and why? Win an extra large Doctor T-shirt. I don't. Halloween, maybe, but it sounds like to one lucky person, Christmas came early. <laughs> no, they haven't seen the shirts yet. No. Uh, we then joined the UK podcasters at a rural gas station on our way out of town. Hard to believe they haven't heard about the bus crash yet. Seems like that'd be big news. Well, apparently, you know, they have connections. They can apparently get the original mask, <laughs> which has been locked up in evidence forever. Yeah. Uh, they can get the original tapes, which I mean, we didn't mention that. They, they're listening to the original Dr. Loomis tapes. Yeah, they, they can get anything they want except the news. They apparently can get access to large amounts of cash just to uh-huh. hand out to interviews that go nowhere. I'm sorry, they can't get the the current news, and they also can't get microphones. As Kate pointed out, they have this cash because they don't buy equipment. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt here. Uh, Derek Matthews says, Cade, new character, unfrozen caveman podcaster. I don't know how this technology works. I just am the 11th best podcast reviewer. <laughs> Oh, he's seen the internet article. Oh. It, it's, it, it, Hi, Derek. It was pretty viral. I keep trying to kill it. <laughs> you'll, you'll, it's like Michael Myers. You'll never kill that internet article. <laughs> oh, God. I wish I could ever. I wish I could find whoever wrote that internet article and just beat the living crap out of it. Well played, Derek Matthews. Well played. It was a, it was a prominent industry uh, expert. From Russia. An expert on experts. It was, it was Russian fake news. It was the Russian bots uh, <laughs> created it. They're uh, sowing discourse throughout the podcast universe. Was the doctor? Were you at that Turkish embassy? Moving on. You carried Move. the bone saw in. Moving on. Oh, Todd, I had the bone saw. Somebody <laughs> had to carry it in there. Well, I know I shouldn't have carried Some the bone Some bitch saw. was writing articles he shouldn't have written, and we took care of his ass. <laughs> Terrible. 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 I'm not allowed in Turkey. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot how foolish it means. Well, when the female podcaster disappears while taking a leak, the more ma- exchange program my ass. <laughs> Go ahead. The male podcaster leaves the gas pumps and he goes inside the the gas station to question the clerk, and he finds that his jaw has been gruesomely split wide open on the counter, like dude, Just, like, like, like stretched. It was surprised he didn't start screaming at him. What happened to your jaw? What did happen to your jaw? Say something. I want to pay for this gas. Why aren't you answering me? Unlet Say it. something. What happened to your jaw? Uh, it's a it's a really gruesome effect. It is a gruesome effect. I liked it. After finding a naked mechanic lying in a pool of blood in the garage, Michael had to get a new jumpsuit and work boots. He's going to work. He's going to work. He's got to get his costume. He's got to get the uniform on. But what I at this point, I'm like, this guy is staring at this dead body in a pool of blood like he's never seen him before, yet you research serial killers, so you would have, have to have seen pictures, right? Uh, well, Something about the dead people. Actually, I'm going to get to that exact point in one second. <laughs> the podcaster races to the bathroom where Michael has already begun tormenting the female podcaster. He got up to her stall door. Drop. 
drops a handful of bloody teeth uh, from the gas station clerk over the top of the bathroom. Remember in 78, Michael's always been a little bit of a trickster. He likes to toy with his victims a little bit. He drops the teeth down. She goes screaming, trying to crawl underneath the stalls as he's trying to grab her out from under there. I thought she was really good in the scene. Yes. She, she, Actually, she was. She was yeah. Two male podcaster busts in with a crowbar, hits Michael once with it, drops it, and then goes to help the girl. I'm no. sorry. If you've been researching Michael Myers Did for this long, he fall on the ground. How many times was he shot and stabbed and poked and? No, but my thing well, is, well, he well, hit him. Well, well, but well, did Michael Myers fall down? No, he just he just kind of hunched over like, oh shit. <laughs> Dude, you are a Michael Myers expert at this point. You know that that one shot. But well, no, you're taking into account like all the no, other. No, I'm ones, not. Lori stuck him with a knitting needle in the neck. She stabbed him in the gut with a knife. Well, maybe he didn't know all that. Loomis, it's all in the files. He had everything. Yes. Okay. Loomis, it wasn't the files that Loomis shot him five times, (laughs) and then he fell off the top of the house and got up and walked away. But to Tut's point, with just part one happening, it's a lot less ridiculous. Everything I just said though happened in part one. He was shot five times, stabbed twice, fell off the top of a house, and was. But you might not have that unless. I guess they had the they police had file. His mask. Yeah, they had all the Loomis tapes. They had everything. I'm just saying. You just saw what he did. They out had there. detailed files. They had detailed Russian files. And with his anger management issues, you thought he just wouldn't stop with that crowbar. You thought it would hit everything in sight. You thought it would have brained <laughs> his partner. Say something. Yeah. Well, just like that. Uh, Maybe he killed the gas station attendant. Well, at that point, then. I do love this. Is trouble with the Why is it a dollar ninety six per <laughs> gallon? <laughs> that guy was intense. Apparently he's in Star Wars. He was in Force Awakens. He's one of the yeah. Imperial yeah. bad yes. guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, just like that, Michael obviously a crowbar to the head doesn't do anything. He grabs the male podcaster and just bashes his head against a bathroom wall a thousand times. And then he goes instead of running, she's still kind of just hanging out. There's he actually grabs one, her and just snaps her neck like a chicken. There's actually one scene where he bashes the head on the bathroom stall, and you see it from her perspective, and it's like you're looking at your comrade, your comrade, your friend, your colleague. And his head is just bashed against the wall. And I'm like, I'm like, psychologically, I thought the scene worked. I'm like, that's freaking. I'll terrifying. be honest. If we ever stop on the side of the road on one of our road trips, and I am in a stall, and I look out there and I see Tut's head bouncing off the wall, I'm getting the fuck out of there. <laughs> As you should. Yes. I'll probably stop since the clerk's dead and grab a couple coldies for the road. <laughs> Well, naturally. Get yeah. you a Tom Atkins sixer. <laughs> Give me a Atkins sixer. And I'll be honest, after witnessing that, I might need a cigarette. <laughs> might need to pick up a lot of bad habits. But you know what? I'll have my own 40-year trauma. You know what? A couple cans of snuff. I haven't done this in a while. But, I, you know, times, I can just times see, are tough. I can just see Tut's wife. But you tried to help him, right? Well, yeah. I, I mean, I... <laughs> Well, I know I should have. I, I know I should have, Jenny, but uh. Oh, Jenny, I mean I should have, but he was already getting his brain beat loose, so I grabbed a can of Copenhagen and a couple of steel reserves and got my ass down the road. Goddammit! Blood was pouring out of his ears. One of his eyeballs was sticking. There's nothing I could do at that point. I mean, <laughs> she's all watching the video camera. Kate, help me! I'm still alive. Touch dead. No, seriously, I just need a minute of help. Got to get out of here. For some reason, I step on his head. Maybe that'll put me in Michael's good graces. <laughs> Look, Mikey, I'm helping you. Out. Mike's awesome. Yeah. Uh, want, some, want some skull? 
<laughs> well, uh, later as the crime scene is getting taped off and they're trying to make sense of the, the gas station massacre, which it, it may or may not be a throwback to the great Halloween 4 gas station gas scene. Station, yeah. Every time Michael breaks free, he's got to go to a gas station to get his jumpsuit. Get his jumpsuit. <laughs> that, that's, and that's what it completely, you know, I'm like, they just... Where else are you going to get one? They deliberately tried to do stuff it like was, that. They tried to a set little up bit like, of hate. But I also Remember like, if we're, if we're going this? off of the only the original, I'm like, you know, how did he know how to drive a car? He'd been incarcerated for 40 years, never That's driven. That's true, he was a kid. Well, he got incarcerated when he was a, a little boy. And then he broke out once. Well, Loomis addressed that in the first one. Maybe somebody gave him less. It, it doesn't make any sense. They've Nobody, already established it's completely... I'm not, and he's not stupid, all right? They know that. He can talk, he can... Understand, but well, he, he never drove. Yeah, he never uh, drove a car. How did he just? Because I mean, he pulls up, he parks. Oh, and then he, he goes out to the. Pod- he goes to the appropriate. I mean, I'm it's not fine, like he just I'm like fine. I don't need to see Michael Myers but pulling did, up but in his but Buick seventy five. But he does. He take, parallel parks. He and I'm sorry. He's out with the clutch. <laughs> he only steals automatics. <laughs> Uh, he does take the male podcaster's keys after they're dead, and he goes out there and he pops the trunk. Um, and gets how does he know how to operate a key fob? <laughs> He's never seen one. Maybe he put the key in the trunk. Maybe. But he takes a mask. He gets he gets his mask back. They they had. He lo- said you he like side gags. Me. That would be a funny one for me. Is like he's sitting out there. That's when he finally talks. Oh God. You see his hands like trunk. I will say this? this because I think that they went to this well a little too much throughout this entire he... opening scene with him getting the mask on. They played way too much in that. Oh, are you going to see his face? Oh, are you going to see his face? This might be his face. Well, we actually what? did see this his profile and his because his, he has a very messed up eye from where Annie. Poked him with the yes. The I could have done without all that crap. I mean, to me, clothes hanger. I'm I'm thinking of the who's the actor that played Leon in the professional. All of a sudden, John Reno. Yeah, John all of a Reno. sudden, I'm thinking that Michael Myers is John Reno, and I just I I, I could have done without it. I I don't need to to put a face to this killer. This killer is supposed to be just evil and no, 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 well, dead no, no. eyes. That's well, correct. That's but, you know, That's a good one. I think in this and in this scene after you know everyone's like, oh, you just kind of barely catch this glimpse. No, no, you now see him put his face on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could have done without that though. Man, it didn't bother. I mean, he's got to get his mask. They made a little moment of him putting it on. I, it didn't bother me. Uh, Mike, Michael's never been. And even Jason's never been... It's never been a big thing to see under the mask. I mean, we saw Michael's know, real what, face that, in the that, first one. But but that's why I'm kind of like... You know, they made too much of a big deal of it. They were it's like, been so long I since we've had... This is the monster putting it... They made, they made too much of a big deal of a lot of insignificant shit. It was a trailer moment. Fair, it was fair. a trailer moment. I don't know. I ended, up, I ended up actually like you know having to like stifle a laugh because I'm thinking, you know, he's going to go... Can they have at least watched it? Jesus. <laughs> He puts oh god, this is wreck. Oh god. Oh, it had to stink. I just killed that gas station attendant. That was bad, but this He finally gets the car started and he's smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> well back in town, Allison, uh, the granddaughter, heads off to the big Halloween dance while her best friend Vicky is stuck babysitting for the night. But she makes Allison promise over the phone to come over so they and their boyfriends can puff on some grass and party it up. Because like in all these films, for some reason, the adults all go to these all-night Halloween parties, leaving their kids with babysitters. Unattended. 
This never happened in my Did youth. Do your parents ever go to a Halloween party no. on Halloween night? No. I don't think so, no. Every one of these movies, the the adults are gone. Yeah. I don't know. I will say this. Well, it uh, is a with, small... With, it is the small town the, of Haddonfield. With, with all the indifference that you have towards the actors, what about the babysitter? I'm getting to that. First of all, I love that they brought a babysit ele- babysitting element into the film. Uh, second of all, the actress playing Vicky, Virginia Gardner, should have been cast as Allison. She's immediately likable. She's at ease on camera. And I thought she was great. She's one too. of the few bright spots in this. You should have made her the granddaughter. She's got too. screen presence. Perhaps I'd grown too cynical at this point. I didn't give a shit yeah, about you, her either. You might have. Oh, I did. I, I actually I, did. I, I felt. I. I, I, I agree with you. Her. I liked her. My I indifference she had, continued. She. She felt natural. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she felt like she had acted before. Yeah, I liked her. Mm-hmm. She. She was the PJ of this film. Well, I, no. I mean, I'm just very saying. Much I, so. I'm just saying she felt natural. She actually felt like. She was kind of PJ and Annie. She was kind of Linda and Annie rolled up in one. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I dug her. Yeah. I thought that the babysitting scene, while you appreciate its inclusion, um, I thought, and this is part of a, a larger context. But she I, is babysitting, uh, we should say, a little uh, 10-year-old. Are we going to say that? 10-year-old boy? Yeah. I thought Maybe the, the whole yeah. thing felt forced to me. It's a very comedic scene where he's complaining she's the worst babysitter as he clips his toenails. She's like, "Yeah, well, you're my worst kid. I babysit." I liked it. I for out some of reason, all I liked it. out of all the bad dialogue and the badly executed dialogue scenes in the film, I actually did not mind any of it. And, it's, and, and I did feel that the I think the the dialogue was a little bit above the kid's age. Oh, I thought he was fine. But I, I, th- actually I still he, liked it. I, mean, I actually I, thought I he was better than Judy Greer. Yeah. He had personality. He said his lines and I believed he was a 10-year-old kid. That's more than, <laughs> I more, did, that's more than she did. I just think that... Hey, kid, the, act like a 10-year-old kid. There was, okay. such, Got it. there was such a mishmash of... Tone? Everything of... We've got the Laurie Strode, Michael Myers... Uh, Drama. We've got. We're going to try to introduce the family. We're going to try and have a teenage element as well, uh, with the boyfriend and the Halloween dance and the babysitting. I just think there was such a mishmash of different things. Too much going on. Too much going on. It felt forced. I was indifferent to them, and I, I just thought the kid. I'm not saying he's a he was a bad performer as a young kid, but. I just felt that that was forced. Like now's the time we put in the hip, smart, ten-year-old uh, kid. He's going to throw out some one-liners that are maybe above his age. And I, I saw it in a theater where there the, were not many people, and they were laughing. And I was just thinking, man, I bet he brought the house down at your. Oh, my house. theater, the my house, theater everything that yeah. little kid said, and she, like that whole scene. Everyone just, I mean, we just got, and I, and I, you know, I do get. Tone. We just came out of a brutal gas station scene with tons of dead bodies and violence, and then this is pretty soon after that. Um, well, where like you, like you said, it, earlier, it does lighten the mood a little bit. I did like the babysitter. I, I don't think it's too much going on because I think if it was just the movie was just Lori, she's got to be hunting him while he does something, and I think that her granddaughter being out there in loose in the town and her having friends. If and if nothing else, it just it gives you victims. And and I will say this, you know, earlier you said if you don't care, you, you don't scare. 
eventually, I, I mean, I cared about this this these two people. I, 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 I it worked, it worked I, for I, you. I, I instantly just gravitated. And I obviously, and I obviously said I, I, I really liked this actress, but I don't know if I liked her just because everything else I was being shown was so bad. Yeah. But. I'd have to watch it again to see if I actually really liked her or if she was just a breath of fresh air. Like, oh, she's acting. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and, it, and it feels right. My indifference continues. I didn't have a problem with her. Uh, maybe if we had spent more time with her and gotten to know her more, that would have been something. But her whole character seems forced to me uh, in a way that in the original film, Annie and Linda are not forced. Uh, you seem like you, you spend more time with them, getting to know a little bit more about them. Seems like she's in one scene where they're walking to school, and then she's in this scene. Uh, so again, my indifference just continued. I just really didn't care. Okay. Um, well, I do think the inclusion, uh, much like the 11-year-old at the bus crash site, I think the inclusion of this uh, young guy also served a bigger purpose here very quickly. So be patient with me. I'm getting to it. Um, well, Lori comes by her daughter Karen's ideal suburban house and tries to get the family to go with her to her compound. Uh, they're like, "Oh God, she's drunk again." Uh, they don't. They're like, "What but what bus crash? Are you, you know, what, what are you even talking about? This would be huge news on Haddonfield. This yes. would be huge news on Facebook, on on community pages. Like this." This had, something it would be on CNN. Something yes. that happened 40 years ago. Regardless, people would be like, "Oh my God, that guy that killed, you know, you know, even if it had been killed with, one person, 40 years. Regardless, of, I mean, small towns. People still know who Ed Gein is, the the cannibal killer based that was based you know on Psycho and, and Chainsaw Massacre. I think he killed two or three people, right? And and used their body. But we still know his name. Yes, the fact that Michael Myers was escaped from an asylum bus would be all over the news. It would be the only thing on the news. Uh, You'd be getting cell phone alerts. Especially in Haddonfield. It'd be on CNN. The guy killed three teenagers and a mechanic stealing his jumpsuit, trying to kill another one. But there's no way their little community Facebook pages wouldn't be blowing up with this in this little town. Well, she says, if you're not going to come with me, at least take one of my guns. And the dad's like, get that out of here. We're not a gun family. We don't need your... You know, just, I know how to protect my family. I, I'm the whiz. I can handle <laughs> yeah, that this. That was a little bit. Uh, they're not buying any of her mumbo jumbo. Uh, Karen has been I'm listening. I'm taking your gun, Lord. Karen has been listening to this paranoid uh, nonsense her entire life. Uh, again, I didn't believe Judy Greer when she was like, you know, this is just too much, Ma. Just bleh. Well, finally, Michael arrives in Haddonfield. He's home. In a long tracking shot straight out of 81's Halloween 2, Michael randomly selects a house where he we follow him into the garage where he grabs a hammer. He then goes into a side door and kills a bathrobed lady in her kitchen with the hammer. It's off screen. We just hear the hammer hitting her. Then he steals a knife from her kitchen. If you if you remember the scene where he gets the knife from the kitchen and kills her, she's dressed exactly like it's a, it's a throwback to Halloween 2 with Mrs. Elrod. It's all just so extremely close up, though, that, it, that that I just did not like that. It's so close up on it that it, it's almost nauseating to me. And and this and it only had a little bit of gray goose at that point. My sprite, it just <laughs> it the, is, it's so right on top of it. It was a choice. And for me, you know, like this choice, whole thing, the choice this, doctor that I did not care for. Uh, me either. I didn't like that choice. The the absolute, you know, just they. 
as before, you know, like I said, you know, he was, you know, in the original, the, the babysitter murders. But now this one, he's just being completely indiscriminate. Yeah, he wanted his jumpsuit. Yeah, he wanted his mask. There was purpose in all of that. But now, like, he's back in Haddonfield, and he literally is just going door to door, killing everyone. Well, I mean, it's been 40 years. He's he's he's, he's flex those muscles. Oh, you gotta, gotta work the rust out. Man. Gotta work the rust out. It's cold weather. Haddonfield just, after dark. I'm 40 years older. I gotta get. Well, back first of all, this Haddonfield is jumping. There's like dozens of kids trick or treating on the streets. I mean, it's a very lively uh, little town. But it should be. I mean, it should yeah, be. but I mean, dude, it is there's a lot of it's crazy. And it's like I mean, a giant street party, and just you don't Haddonfield after dark. That's such a character of its own in part one, two, and four. The damp streets with the leaves everywhere, but you get. Sorry, you get more wide-angled shots of different things. It's not a write-up on top of you like someone's right. shooting a found footage thing. You get more right. of the whole scenery, yeah. and they don't spend nearly enough time with Aesthetically, that. Aesthetically, it's a very different take. And, and, I, and, and this is like what I had I said earlier. Everything, you know, yeah, you're, tr- you're you're basically trying to watch Michael go through these houses, but like everything in these houses is an Easter egg. Throwback. Well, you, yeah. you see the little kids go down the street in the Halloween Three mask. I thought they, they hinged yes. the movie on those Easter eggs to me. The Easter eggs didn't bother me at all. No, it, but it, they hinged the whole movie on it. Well, bear with me. He steals the knife from the first lady's kitchen that he kills. Then we follow him, and we go to the house next door, where a woman's on the phone being told. Uh, you hear some police sirens and whatnot, and you see this lady on the phone. We're outside her house, filming through her living room window. Uh, she's talking to a friend who's telling her about Michael escaping or whatever. She c- gets off the phone. She comes up to the window and is kind of looking to see what's going on outside. And we see Michael behind her, and he shoves the knife directly through her throat. At that point, we jump inside the house with Michael. He pulls the knife out of her throat, and he slowly starts walking through the living room. And there's a baby in a crib right there. To me, the death of the t- 11-year-old boy at the bus... And the inclusion of this, what we don't know yet, is what's going to happen to the babysitting kid. But by killing that 10-year-old in that opening scene, everyone in that theater, it was audible. When he walked by that crib and they showed the baby in there, it was a... <gasps> like, is he is he going to do something to that baby? Because anything goes. He killed that 11-year-old. Anything goes. I, I think the reason they did that was to set up this, this moment. Scene. Yes. Yeah. This scene wouldn't be anything without him already seeing him kill a kid. And no, he does not kill the baby. Well, and, and this, okay, so I have a few problems with this whole sequence. Yes, it was very effective. And you're right, even in my theater, and even with me, I'm like, there's no way they're going to go here. And when he makes that little sideways glance to the baby, I was like, oh, oh crap. But this whole sequence didn't need to happen because I don't understand him just showing up randomly in some stranger's house. I do. For this. But I did like the killing of the person in front of the window. That butcher knife through the throat looked great. It did look really good. It looked awesome. It was, to me, it was, stylistically, it was my favorite kill of the entire movie. To me, at this like, point, it, it was. To me, like, at this point, I'm at this point saying, all right, you know what? This is a guy. What Sartain always wanted to understand, why this guy loved killing so much, what this evil inside him, what he got out of killing, 
if it's true that that's Michael's driving force, whatever he experiences while killing, it propels him and it feeds him. After 40 years of being locked up with all these nitwits, doctor, is that the proper term? Yes. He's free. He is now just a great white shark at at a swim park. Yeah. Who can just start eating everything inside? I think they were, honestly, if they That's kinda if what they didn't want him to kill the up. baby, they should have they should have shown and were given him a reason not to. In other words, it would have been like you know he's looking at the kid, a uh, siren outside, or or, or there, or you know, all of a sudden yeah. he looks out Dog the window marks. and he sees like some other well, kids. Well, ultimately, or, Michael is still human being, and human beings still have weird things about killing babies. At that point, sure. they should have just shown him stab the fucker right there and get on with it. Because you guys are talking about the different kills that you liked and everything, because of those, and I, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep coming back to it, because of the close-ups, and and I should point out that I have a strong stomach, gore never bothers me, the visceral impact of it with those extreme close-ups, not going to say that it was as bad as what happened in the zombie abominations. But if you're even... Rob, a, Rob Zombie. Yes. If you're even... Yes, to point that out. The Rob Zombie remakes. I'm not going to say it's as bad as that, but the close-ups and the visceral part of it... If you're even a short cab ride from the Rob Zombie Halloween ballpark, that's not good. You didn't like it, the, the kill in the window? The butcher knife through the throat? If it's not obvious by now, I, I didn't like, like this movie. So no, I didn't care oh, for it. Oh, it's obvious. <laughs> I actually liked it. I thought it was uh, visually. I thought it was beautiful. I mean, the I like I like great. the killing of the woman off screen in her kitchen with the hammer. We don't see it. Yes. Yeah. I thought uh, that actually that's pretty good. That that is more of a throwback to the original, original off screen yeah. violence. But then he follows it up with some very on screen knife through the throat. You know, it's kind of a little two different styles of, of killing. Um, at this point, Doctor, I'm like, all right, let's see where this is going. Now he's been in his hometown. He's, he's, you know, the great white shark has been unleashed. Unleashed. Let's. I'm like, all right, well, maybe things can go. At, at this point, I kind of hit the reset button. As long as I'm not going to spend too much time with Judy Greer and the granddaughter. But, of course, no, we're going to get a lot of that. I would have liked to have seen more of him lurking behind bushes like he did in the earlier movies. I, yeah, I missed yeah, that. We only have, I mean, we, he's just we, walking right out there like, yeah, who gives a yeah. fuck? No, yeah. no, no, he's bumping, right. in, he's bumping, in, he's right. bumping into trick-or-treaters right or left. Yeah, but then, no, ooh, right. look, it's you're the Halloween right. 3 masks. That, that, yeah. that flashback shot or that cutback shot to the hedges where he's standing there and then the cutback where he's not, it needed way more of that. Well, yeah. we do get one of those scenes where we're getting there. Uh Oh, I will say, uh, going into it, um, okay, so a little bit of leather. Um, yeah, I was going to touch base with the cigar. I, you were right, by the way. Start of the first third, the strength did strength does pick up, up, which I really wanted it to, and you're right, it did. So I'm getting a little bit more of a leather into it, uh, more of a muted coffee, kind of not not like the, the nutty, bright flavors of coffee, but just the nice, earthy coffee. Not that chock I just, full of nuts. Right, no, not... Not not Tut's back deck full of nuts. Going to my nuts. Uh, a, a lot of nuts in here. No, so. I, I I like the second half of this cigar a lot better than I like the first. Yeah, half. me too. Yes, I will agree. And I am getting some of that leather in the final third as well. I'm not sure it agree. I'm not sure it personifies the, Michael, but yeah. I'll say no, that. But I mean, yeah, it's a tall order. No, if you're gonna if you're gonna do freaking slashers. 
you gotta have some strength on this. I should feel like I'm smoking a road player. <laughs> <laughs> I should. When I take a puff off this, I want Luma sitting there. By God, Jason. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a much stronger scorn out there. You agree? It is. Um, and earth and mineral are still I'm there. Still Coffee's there. died down. Leather's come up. Um, it's the earth and mineral flavor. It's come home to kill. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was waiting for you to do yeah. some Loomis. Uh, Doc, do you like it? Yeah, I, I uh, the change for me was was fairly subtle. Uh, did you guys feel that way? It didn't like oh all of a sudden boom. No, 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 no. It's subtle. It was a gradual it's, transition. It stayed consistent. Um, I haven't had to relight it once. I, I have only because I've been I've been jibber jabbering. Um, yeah. Um, ter- I'm, I'm glad it did the it did the transition there yes. in the second half that it did. Uh, but yes, construction's been great, and um, I'm really enjoying the, the the bolstered spice on the nose. In addition to the leather, you know, that wasn't there in the first two thirds. It's there now, and um, it took the place of the coffee. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually enjoying it. You guys want to talk price point? Sure. All right. Oh, man, I always have a problem with these and all Doctor. these cigars. Doctor, you're first. Yeah, I always think it's better for me to go first because I think you guys have more experience in figuring these things out. Uh, how many were in your uh, special box that you got? Uh, Thirteen. Thirteen, okay. But I, I think in the uh, the smaller boxes, there's ten. Okay. Uh, but in the small boxes, those are widely available. You can get those a little bit easier. I'm guessing that you... Had to pay a little more for the package. Oh yeah, don't don't take that into it. just just judge. Just try just, to judge it on judge its own. Judge the cigar on its own. Uh, it's a it's a big cigar. It is a big cigar. Uh, Slow uh, burning. It's, it's so, uh, yes. lasts you a while. Looking at the time, um, I always try to think what I would pay for it and what it what it costs. Uh, it's a good approach. Man, I'd pay double digits for it. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this is a $12 stick. $12, Cody. 13. <laughs> no, actually, I'd probably put this. It is a big, slow-burning cigar. I'd probably say it's about nine fifty, ten dollars. Cut. I like that nine fifty call. But I'll go down to eight ninety-nine. You son of a bitch. I'm going to say 13, since you took your 13 off the table. My, and my thought was I'd oh, gladly... Oh, did you, oh, you give me that look because you wanted to say 13? Is that what this was about? My thought, Cade, was that I would gladly... It's not a contest. I would gladly pay 10. Can that. I win a t-shirt? <laughs> I, I win the t-shirt? I, can take I would gladly pay 10 for it, so I assume 12. 13. I knew it. 13 I just bucks. wanted to say it. I win. I get the t-shirt. You also bought them, so... You bought them. Box presentation. It's a tatua, Michael. It's come home to kill. <laughs> no, they right. say like, some, some strange number, like 19.78. You haven't got a cigar cutter! These men might be the only help you've got. Now, now I'm pushing it. <laughs> no, no, I will no, say I, with like the box, This cigar is pure evil. The theme. Oh, no, no, no. If you want that box... Then you will be paying 1978 a cigar. Oh no, you're, you're paying <laughs> premium for that box. <laughs> Evil in an I, Ecuadorian wrapper. I'm, I'm giving you MSRP. <laughs> I'm giving you MSRP if you want to go out and buy some right now. Oh okay. In a non that box. Well, 
What would they be if they were in that box? Oh, they, you don't want to know what they oh, were in that box. We've got to get this but, cigar's behind but, locked doors. I really do want to know. I have to know. I don't remember. Say something. <laughs> Say something. Man, Man if you've I got, a, if you've got a, if you've got a, go there. if you've got a ninety-minute stogie that you enjoy. By today's prices, man, that that's not a that's Tut's, not Tut's, a. Tut's gonna give you. Tut's gonna say, well, there's there's a dozen cigars I can I can list off at five same. five dollars less that will last you just the same and give you just the or, same if not better like if, if not better flavor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's an occasion cigar. It's it's a Halloween monster cigar. That's the only way that I would adjust. I mean, it is. I mean, it's 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 a Michael Myers cigar, and you smoke it on Halloween. You don't see a lot of people posting monster cigar shots in January or February. True. I mean, it's it's just I mean, kind I'm, of. I'm not going to kill it for the value, though. Okay. Well, that's that's what it is, and I and I did. I it. will. I did enjoy it. I will, like Michael Myers, just run a butcher knife all through this price value score. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, at the uh, big Halloween dance, Allison calls Vicky, the babysitter, on her cell phone to tell her that they're headed that way. But just then, she looks back into the dance and she sees her boyfriend, Cameron, making out with another girl, and she's she's crushed. Who gives a shit? Okay. The other girl was pretty hot. Yeah, she was. <laughs> We've seen him a couple of times now. Cameron's friend. Uh, there is a chubby friend who... I, I mentioned this when I walked out of the theater. I was like, does Hollywood have this factory that pumps out like these... Like, he's kind of, you know, whether it's the Foggy Nelson from Daredevil. Thank you, because I was like, there's no way or this that is Or that Josh Gad guy. It, it, I don't care if it was the 70s movies, 80s. There's always just these these chubby kids that look exactly the same. But this today guy they call it the, the Jonah spitting, Hill School. But this guy is the spitting freaking image of, of Foggy Nelson. From Daredevil. Sounds like him. Acts like yeah. him. Has the same mannerisms of him. I'm like, is Dude, this his kid? Return to Living Dead, I think they got some kind of farm. Uh, I think they got out. some kind of chubby I really farm <laughs> down there. When I first saw him, I'm like... We like, we like, we like what you got, kid, but we're going to need you to eat these ten pizzas every day. When I, when I saw him, I was like, there's no way that this guy is Foggy Nelson. But I really thought that this guy... I was like, well, maybe they CGI'd him. Maybe they... I mean... Maybe he's the kid of him. He was so close to Foggy. No, I thought that this guy a million, might be his Is this kid. why we couldn't have better character development? Because they spent it all on CGI on making Foggy Nelson's kid? That was $8 million of our $10 million budget. We recreated a younger Foggy Nelson. I, I, thought, me. I thought that he was. I mean, I seriously... I was like trying to figure out how they did this with Foggy. Dude, there's a million of these kids. They all look the same. Every he mo- looked exactly like I know, like dude, but every teen movie has this exact kid in it. And they all look just like this yeah, kid. the fat kid partier who's got a couple of one-liners. And he always looks like this, but this dude. This was a spitting freaking image of Do you Foggy. want a Josh Gad or a Foggy Nelson? Uh, <laughs> do you have something like in between? Give do us, I? Give us a couple days. Where are we going to find somebody to play this role? Well, we'll just go down the street to the Jonah Hill School of uh, Chubby <laughs> Fat Idiots. Yeah. Uh, I thought the same thing. Well, um, she grabs... Cameron tries to downplay him making out with this other chick, but she doesn't cut him any slack whatsoever. I can't believe you did this to me. So he does the next best thing, grabs her phone, 
You know what? All you care is you've been on this thing all night anyway. He dumps it in the punch bowl. That'll impress her. Well, I don't think it was punch because it like it slowly like, say. Like, I think it was like a bowl of queso or something. <laughs> it looked like pudding, but I was like, why would they have it was, a... It was like it was Tots a... oatmeal stout. He just threw it in there. <laughs> you know what? I'm pissed off at you. You just caught me making out with another chick. I'm going to throw your phone in this bowl of porridge. Oh, and then she's all <laughs> indignant. Are you drunk? She was sitting there with him when he was drinking out of a flask. Yeah. TNCC stuff. How dare you drink before we go over to our friend's house while she's babysitting a ten-year-old to smoke dope? <laughs> God, oh, yeah. gives a fuck. Her man. high horse. <laughs> she's about to go smoke weed with a ten-year-old upstairs sleeping. Good point, dog. She turns around and goes, does a couple of lines of coke off a mirror. Well, and I'm sorry, this was part of the mishmash. I just didn't care. I'm like, why, why, why are you doing this? Why, why am I seeing this dance? Am why I, do I care? Am I wrong? It makes sense. He's Lonnie Elam's son. An asshole. Yeah. So Allison grabs her chubby friend, who who Tut uh, point out Oscar, and they bail on the dance. Back at the babysitting gig, Michael has arrived, and soon both Vicky and her boyfriend Dave, who was great in the movie Clockers, he's Tim Robbins and Sarah Susan Sarandon's son. Seriously? Yeah. Which one is this? Dave, the the boyfriend of the, the babysitting the motorcycle, the one that starts up the motorcycle. Uh, yeah, it's Tim Robinson. And he's really, really funny in Clockers. Why is Myers in this house? No, the boyfriend, Dave, who's dating the babysitter. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Yeah. Uh, your plate of catfish was too big. Why is Myers in this house? He's still making his way down the street. <laughs> Literally. House this, by this house. Is, this is sensible in what way? No, it's he not. killed the lady in this house, the lady in this house, and then she's babysitting in the next house. Okay. He's just working his way down. He's a great yeah. white shark. He, he's not asking questions. Hey, all right. Hey, you know. Walk on the left. That's he actually stabs Dave so hard he impales him to the living room be wall. All, be all that you can be. Much like he did poor Bob back yes. in 78. Even takes a moment to kind of study in there. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm done with that. I, Ooh, another throwback. I've got a boner that makes this whole movie. I'm I'm done with that. The whole head head tilt studying. I understand it's iconic. It was iconic when it was done. I understand that that's an immediate recognizable throwback. I'm done with it. I, I just, to me, it's just kind of like, oh, remember this? Remember this moment? Oh, at this point, you're done with throwbacks. Oh to my the- god! Well, look, no, I'm just, oh, look at I'm this! I'm just done with the head tilt. I'm, I'm just kind of like, uh, for some reason, that 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 just shocks me right out of the movie. It, it's just kind of like, I get it. I, I, I don't know, that didn't bother me at all. It did. For some reason, I, I fixed it. And there's a moment where there were, despite the kid being funny and adorable, you have to wonder if he's going to get it too. I did wonder that. Killed but another kid his age because basically the the Vicky when she went up to tuck him in to his bed, uh, she hadn't. He wanted her to. He was afraid. He said he saw the boogeyman up there. And when she goes to close his closet door, Michael's. Michael's in the closet and he goes after her. Uh, Dave has stepped outside for a smoke and he's fired up the motorcycle. Conveniently, right when she's screaming, it's when he hits the... <laughs> 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 um, but but yeah. Way, the, the kid's oh shit moment brought the theater just roarous laughter. Uh, big time. The, the kid sees Myers. Oh shit! And he runs. Michael does not kill him. The little kid gets away. Oh ha ha. Ten-year-old um, said shit. Well, because he's the only smart one because he actually runs. He runs the fuck out of there. We don't ever see him again. Correct. 
with the, yeah, the little Weisenheimer, we assume survives. Uh, with the gas station deaths, the bodies found at the bus crash site. Now the he was gr- the smartest one in the movie. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, he truly was. Run. Uh, and now the gruesome death of Dave and Vicky. The film does not skimp on blood and gore. I mean, no. it's it's uh, you can't knock it for for that. So Lori now goes back with the Haddonfield cops to her daughter Karen's house, and with the cops there backing up Lori's story. Finally, Karen and Ray agree to go with her to her compound. Not to the police station. My mother's station, here with cops and they're not arresting her? Where it might be safe. But we learned from Halloween 5, which, remember, we didn't see. The Halloween's, the police station in Hadfield is one of the least safest places in the world. Um, but they can't get their daughter, Allison, on the phone, obviously, because he threw her phone in the queso. Asshole. What an Asshole. <laughs> you are trying to get queso off the cell phone? I have. It's not easy. Allison and her portly friend Oscar roamed the dark neighborhood streets of Haddonfield. Again, not wide. Pretty tight on them walking down the middle of the street. You're not getting any sense of the town, of the town, space. Environment. She laments about her dickbag boyfriend and his cheating ways, so Oscar naturally finds this as a cue to put the moves on her and tries to kiss her. It's my time. Because that always ends well. Just ask another psychopath uh, we feature on the show, Ducky from Pretty in Pink. (laughs) The minute uh, Andrew McCarthy was giving her a little bit of grief, Duck Duck Man tried to swoop in as well. That never never works. If you were going to delve into it at all, and I didn't, uh, hey... He's a high school boy, high school senior, I guess. He's been drunk at this party. Yeah, he made a move. He's Whatever. Portly. It's time to go. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Uh, well, Allison, she's not feeling it. She pushes him away. Leaves. Can't believe he's pulling this shit. He's supposed to be your friend, and uh, he's in the. He finds himself sitting there drunk in this backyard with Michael Myers. There's a really cool scene somewhere in here where the motion sensor backyard lights come on and off as Michael moves and gets closer and closer to Oscar. The kid thinks that Mikey's the guy who owns the house, Mr. Elrod. Right. Who would somehow be hanging out in his backyard with a Halloween mask on. Just Okay. Well, it's Halloween, I he's guess. Drunk. He's drunk enough, though, where he's not freaking out about he's it. He's had some catfish IPAs. <laughs> he's had a few catfish IPAs. He's stuff. Uh, Maybe not seeing too well. I just don't think this scene was executed to its fullest. That on and off lights could have been filmed and edited so much tighter to where when the light comes on, Michael's... It was just kind of... Pop, pop, Yeah, pop, pop, pop. 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 It, was, it wasn't. It was like it was just kind of random. Pop, pause. Uh, the pace of it and, wasn't there. And sometimes yeah. Michael would have moved. Sometimes he didn't move. Like, it was just... It was... It was. It could... The motion sensor light's a great idea. Yeah. And it could have really... Because the Halloween movie, especially the original, plays so much with shadow and light. Yeah. It could have been a really cool scene, but they just blew it. They, did, I, they I didn't, agree. They didn't the pace, do it well. The pace was lost on this in the editing. Regardless, Oscar gets a fence spike shoved through his jaw, and his agonizing, high-pitched, girly screams prompts Allison to A, feel really good about not making out with him, uh, and B, run like hell to a neighbor's house. And unlike back in 78, where Lori went neighbor to neighbor and nobody would help her, uh, the first person actually opens the door, lets her in, and calls the cops. Yay! Michael wasn't even chasing her. He's so? already moving on. So? No, I'm just saying. 
he he wasn't right on her coattails. He, he don't, oh, she she left. I'm going to go kill somebody else. This is important. There's a really classic Halloween wide shot here. When she runs away from the death and comes around the side of the house in the neighborhood, it's the, like the doctor said, that first wide shot at the asylum, this is the next one I notice. It's a wide shot of the street and the house. She comes around, this, the fog is, is drifting aside. She comes around this, the corner running, trying to get into the house. My eyes were stuck on that right-hand corner of the screen waiting to see, see if the he shape. Comes through? He never yeah. came. Yeah. Right. There's a reason for that. Uh, I kept well, watching first off, and watching. Michael Myers does not climb fences. He was trying to find the door, but he couldn't. <laughs> well, here's the he thing. He had so much trouble getting that trunk open earlier in the afternoon. He's not fucking with that fence. Here's the thing. Michael's not chasing her because Michael doesn't have a clue who she is. And how could he? And even if he knew she was Lori's daughter, I got the sense he still wouldn't have given a shit. No. The Michael in this film is truly the great white shark, as we said, just killing what's in front of him with no predestined purpose. He's not obsessed with Lori. He hasn't thought of her once, probably, over the last 40 years. It's her obsession with him, or more accurately, her trauma, that has kept this whole relationship going and nothing else. She can't quit him. No fault of her own, not the other way around. He cares so less about her. why... Why, if this is a true sequel of the original film, why in the first movie, when he's 21 years old, why does he stalk them in that movie? He's not the great white shark in that movie going from house to house. No. He, whether, and you can delve into it all you want to and be armchair psychiatrist, she goes up and puts a note in the old Myers house and he's hiding in there because that's his home. And obviously when they wrote that movie, they had no plan that she was going to be his sister. That, w- that wasn't in the cards. Uh, is Myers at age 21? Was there some sort of sexual frustration? He sees these teenage girls, but he starts slowly stalking them. I think the age thing is important, what you just said. He's a, he's a stunted 21-year-old who's in his house where, you know, the only place he knows. He sees this cute teenage girl come up to his door. He starts following her starts and her following friends. her and her friends and becomes duckyish, why, kind why of obsessed he, with them. Why would Myers... 40 years later, he's not a 21-year-old horn dog anymore. Why, why, so why in this iteration, he wouldn't give shit number one about Laurie Strode? He doesn't. Well... He doesn't. At any point in this movie, he doesn't care about getting Laurie. Let's continue. Film writer, uh, a guy I, I really like reading his stuff, Devin Farachi, wrote a really great article on this aspect of the film over at his website, Cinema Sangha. I encourage everyone to go check it out. Seriously, though, think about it. She could have moved across the country 40 years ago, bought a house, started a life, and been fine. There, she's totally out of harm's way. Four goddamn decades ago, and that it just started over like that. She'd be okay. Only... And this movie harps on that, and it's, it's actually there's something to it, despite a million problems I have with this movie. It comes back to her trauma. The trauma of experiencing something like that night in 1978, it has led her to act and live the way she has. And when it comes to that kind of trauma, it's not that's that. Nothing yeah. is just that's that. So, yeah, you can question her choices, but... You know, she saw what she saw, and it had the effect that it did. But Michael could care less about her, and I'm going to get to why that's apparent throughout this entire thing. This is all about her and him, not him and her. 
Which is a turn on the usual style. Usually it's Jason going after this. It's Michael obsessed with getting... This is her, not him. This is her problem, not his problem. So Karen and her affable husband, Ray, arrive at Lori's compound, and immediately she starts arming them with guns from her basement. As the giant kitchen island, there's a little remote, and it moves on on like a tract and reveals the secret basement stairs. Ray's like, what the hell is this? And Judy Greer's like, it's my childhood. Didn't believe that for a second. I kind of did. Man, can you imagine Christina Ricci or Eliza Dushku, both born in 1980, so it would have worked to be Lori's daughter. Can you imagine what they could do with this this role? I can, and it would have been much better. Yeah. They'd fit the timeline and the and the character like a glove. Christina Ricci, especially, I think, would do really, really good in this movie. Did Ricci go out for the role? Uh, I don't have the kind of... Uh, I'm still not sure I fault the actress. Okay. She's got to take some responsibility, sure. No, no, no. It, all comes, it always is the director's fault. You can always yell cut and have a moment with your actress and, and this isn't working. You know, let's figure this out. No. It's a big, Judy Greer's a pretty big name. You, I always think there's that pressure on a set. You know, if Brad Pitt's not saying it the way you want him to, it's kind of a sensitive thing to be like, I know you're one of the biggest movie stars in the world, but here's how you might want to change that. I, I think a lot of directors just don't feel comfortable doing that, and then you end up with this. Well, I think it comes down to you need to establish the purpose of the character. And if you don't have that purpose in every single line that did that they deliver or every single scene that they're in, then the character gets lost. There's no purpose of that character. You know, acting I think is and it's the same way within business as well. If you can establish your purpose, not your goal, not your mission, but your purpose, then that can be the foundation of everything that you deliver yeah. after that. And I don't really know what the purpose. Her purpose was to give was to give Lori Lori a a greater purpose beyond her protecting herself. She's she's protecting her family. But then, if the film is a disjointed mishmash of different vignettes, it's going yeah. to be kind of hard to make a, a connection can, with Karen, no matter who plays her. And I can agree with that. I I, I can. I, I'm I'm a lot less harsh than what you guys are, at least what the doctor is. But no, I can totally agree with that and support that. Well. Okay. Um, Allison catches a ride with Officer Hawkins and Dr. Sartain. They're kind of side by side now. <coughs> At one point, Dr. Sartain is like, hey, I'm the new Loomis. Uh, no, uh, Lori even says that. She was like, oh, they, you're the new Loomis? They addressed that situation. She won. At which point I stood up like the British male podcaster and yelled at the screen, You're not the new Loomis! You're not! Say something! Say something! <laughs> Oh, uh, dare you sully the name? Back to Good the, uh, name of Donald uh, I Pleasance. Will, I, I will want to interrupt a little bit for the cigar. I'm about to light up the boondock. Uh huh. But uh, back to the Myers. Uh, man, that nub actually strengthened up quite a bit. Uh, I found the nub very nice. Oh yeah, yes. I'm, not, yeah I'm, I'm hanging on. To I'm it. not letting I'm, this yeah, go. Yeah, this, a more the final third of this cigar. The is, final third was awesome. Is the highlight. It, of it. it was yes. really, really good. The strength was there. The flavor was just very rich, very it, strong. Yeah, it really came alive I, I in the really final third. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So if you get a Michael, cut off the first two thirds and just smoke the final. Pretty third. much, yeah. Um, Take your butcher knife. <laughs> 
has anybody chimed in on favorite Halloween movies or anything? Uh, no. No. Really, uh, if I can Derek fi- Matthews is now watching again. If I can find the... Uh, he must have heard that I, that I just like cut the boondock, and he was like, oh, there you go. If I uh, get my hands on the guy who came up with this idea for Facebook Live, I'm going to go podcaster on his ass. Say something! <laughs> <laughs> Tut, can you yell at our Facebook audience to say something? Say something! <laughs> say something! I got, I got a shirt. I got a shirt. It's a Tuesday on Cigar Club t-shirt. It's come home to kill. <laughs> uh, it's pure evil. If nobody... If you're talking said, about the doctor as if he, he were... never left. There was something with his phone. I apologize, Derek. You talk about him as if he was an you're ordinary... You're talking about Derek Matthews' phone as if it were a normal phone. That part of it died years ago. <laughs> well... Uh, so Allison is riding with Hawkins and Sartain. He's, they're taking her to, to Lori's compound. On the way, Allison sees Michael walking down the sidewalk. Oh, by the way, I have to interrupt. Hey. Derek says, I love Tut. Shirt that man. Shirt that man. Three total comments. A podcast in flames. That's what I've seen between here and Haddonfield. I tell you, Derek Matthews is listening to this podcast. I tell you, Derek Matthews is listening uh, Sartain? <laughs> Michael's just walking down the sidewalk. Just walking down the sidewalk. Snapping you know his what? fingers. <laughs> just, just, just doing his thing. Uh, I would have laughed if they showed him just getting like a hot dog, a little street hot dog stand. <laughs> well, Hawkins, Officer Hawkins, who was there, you know, 40 years ago, he's sworn not to let Michael slip through his fingers uh, again. And like, he like is he the only then. one in this entire movie that acts sane. He... Puts the car in overdrive, jumps the curb, and rams Myers' ass with his Just cop car. Nails that son of a bitch. I'm like, this guy has his shit going on. <laughs> yes. Well, to add to that, Hawkins immediately gets out, pulls out his gun, and he's ready to go over we're there. Going to, we're going tut style. I'm not gonna go check. I'm not gonna go and get close no, to him no, and see no. if he's alive. I'm gonna start shooting that I'm son of a bitch shooting. from far away. But then, get this: Sartain jumps out, and wrestles the gun away from him. You think it's just the doctor maybe protecting his patient? I'm done. I'm done. But no, Sartain, Sartain pulls out this sharp little dagger and kills Officer Hawkins. Then, and the only reaches, sane character is now dead. And then he reaches down, pulls the mask off, Mike. Puts it on him and starts doing a little dance in front of the police car, in front of things. I'm done. Now it's become Chainsaw Massacre 2. It's, Sar- it's a farce. Sartain drags Michael's unconscious body back into the back of the patrol car where he stuffs him in with a screaming Allison and he drives off. You see, boys and ghouls, Dr. Sartain has been studying Michael for so long now that he just has to know what it feels like to kill. He has to get a taste of it for himself to hopefully gain a greater glimpse into what drives Michael to be the force of evil that he is. Apparently it's contagious, like the podcaster. He so badly wants to hear Michael speak. Why do they so badly need to hear him talk? All he wants is Michael to talk. Why why, why does everyone have this... Since Michael wouldn't express to him what it feels like to kill and what drives him, he has to do it himself. But he still is so bent on hearing him talk. Why do they all want him to talk? But it's not set up. I, I understand the psychological angle that they're going for, 
you've studied this guy, you've, you've gotten into his pelt so much that you've kind of lost yourself in it, but they, they they didn't set that up correctly. No, we actually I, I, we actually don't see Sartain. For, we're in the final third of the film. He disappeared for a, and a, I actually, a, a great and, stretch and of I film. Actually, you mean it was disjointed? And I actually think that it's kind of a loss on this part because I kind of like this guy, the actor that's playing Sartain. I think that he's got a good presence. I think he's got a good voice. More, more on that later. Uh, as he drives the as Sartain drives the patrol car to Lori's compound, all of a Which sudden everybody apparently knows where it is. All, <laughs> yeah, he does too. <laughs> all of a sudden, things are making sense for me as far as what's going on here. Although it's never spelled out for us, here's my theory. Sartain orchestrated for the podcasters to come when they did. He wanted them to get Michael pumped up, show him the mask, try to get a rise out of him. He arranged for the bus transfer the night before Halloween. What are the odds that's going to happen? Michael's going to get transferred. He arranged for that, and it was Sartain who made the bus crash, and let he released Michael from his shackles. Yes. And let's face it. Because Michael Myers, if they're doing going back just to the original... He's chained with leg cuffs and handcuffs to his probably a steel pole in the middle of this bus. He's not breaking out of that. Yeah. Sartain let him loose. Yeah. Well, but I it also, well, that. it's it, it's it it is spelled out because I mean when the little boy goes on the bus, where is Sartain? He's not in the front of the bus. He's in the back of the bus. Yeah. Where Michael Myers was. He orchestrated all this to unleash Michael once again on the poor little town of Haddonfield as a field test, as an observational study. He right. wants to see Michael back in right. the, fish, the so fishbowl. So what, what is the ultimate angle that Sartain is going to have? Because he, you just killed a sheriff's deputy. Mm-hmm. There isn't going to be a research paper. And I'm sure the skinheads who are beating and raping you in the maximum security prison shower where you're going to spend the rest of your days are going to be real interested well, he in bl- hearing your theories. You can blame that on Michael. In his mind. I'm thinking. I'm sorry, man. He's truly I, the I, I evil doctor. He even has an evil mad scientist mustache and a fruity little European accent. To, he's, a, he's the evil doctor. Uh, personally, unlike Tut, this actor didn't do anything did for Nothing me. for me. On the, he honestly, right on he, the reminded, he reminded me else. of uh, David uh, Suchet, uh, Suchet, the actor. Cocktoasting? Uh, yes, Cocktoasting. No. Uh, uh, he did the uh, Perot, the series. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. I thought he reminded yeah. me a little bit of the guy Back from the uh, what's the western on HBO that cussed all the time? Deadwood. Deadwood. The main guy in that. No, he he kind of reminded me of that guy. Swearing. Ian McShane. Yeah, a little bit. No. He kind of had an Ian McShane about him. Well, he had the and eyes. Sir, that is the McShane insult. <laughs> no, no, he had the he had the eyes of Ian. So he yeah. had a little bit of a presence there. I can. I, can I just that. for a director who worked on so many indie films where acting is so often raw but true and so key to the storytelling. I just can't believe how many performances here David Gordon Green let slip through the cracks. Lori, Vicky the babysitter, and maybe towards the, uh, some moments the podcasters worked. Everyone else literally. Eh. Sartain did nothing for me. Once again, in order to scare, you gotta care. Okay, I'm very too much true. into my evil catfish, but Brooks said Sarchet. Ah, okay. Thank you. She want a T-shirt. I think if you come through with that, you get a t-shirt. Brooke gets a t-shirt. Okay. Brooke's getting a t-shirt. Brooke gets a t-shirt. She's been with us from the beginning. She's one of our oldest fans. Oh, a challenge. Somebody's got to top that. 
That, that's A+. Plus. I got two T-shirts. Oh, now you got two T-shirts? Yeah, I got two T-shirts. You son of a... I give Brooke a T-shirt. Someone else get a T-shirt. Hey, she came up with the answer. Good job, Brooke. Yeah. Usually you're on top of that stuff. You've had a lot of evil catfish, though. Not too many. Uh, I'm going to have to have a whole lot more to get through the rest of this. Well, like I said, in order to scare, you got to care. Very true. You know who does care a lot, fellas? Who cares a lot? Our good friends at Drew Estate. They care a lot. Wasn't that an old... Uh, Faith No More song. We care Here a lot. lot. It's a dirty job, but someone's <laughs> got to do it. Uh, that's, whoa, the, whoa. that's the first thing that's made me smile all night. Uh, they make a unique cigar line, as I said, called Acid. Uh, Tut, you like acid? Yeah. Kuba Kuba? I'm tripping Kuba on Kuba it Kuba. right now. Kuba Kuba. <laughs> I'm tripping on it. Kuba Kuba. You like no, the blondie? Kuba. I do like the blondie. Uh, I'm a fan of the acid one uh, infused with red wine. Imagine that. Man, Imagine that. Kate likes a cigar that's been soaking in four different varieties of red wine and sangria. I had ah. one acid cigar. It wasn't a Drew Estate one, I, I think. Oh, they're the only ones that do acid. And it must have been. Yeah, they. I didn't. I don't care for the one that I had. Yeah, that was. If it wasn't Drew Estate, it was okay. uh, a knockoff. A knockoff. That's possible. Um, I, spend, I spend time in unsavory parts of town. <laughs> <laughs> You're a doctor. You're trying to help people. I'm trying to help people. By invitation, Rolex, whatever. All the acid cigars are carefully handcrafted using some of the world's finest tobacco with more than 140 herbs, botanicals, and other essential oils to get their unique aroma and flavor. Experiencing acid cigars is the only way to truly understand them. Uh, similar to all Drew Estate cigars, their construction is flawless since they are rolled in Sumatra, Maduro, Connecticut, and African wrappers. I believe that's what the acid one is, an African wrapper. So head on out to your favorite cigar retailer, grab a handful of acid cigars, and let the TNCC know what you think. Although that's not going so great tonight on the... Uh, I've been begging people to tell us what you think. Hey, Tut's gone. I can... This whole Facebook Live thing was his, his doing. I'm a fan of the experimentation. That's me. I like a hypothesis. Well, like I said in the beginning, uh, because we do have the word cigar in our name, uh, we're not allowed to promote our podcast on Google or Facebook. We, we can't promote Sad. it. Um, anybody else, you can spend like 10 bucks and it reaches 10,000 more people than normal. We can't do that. There's so, only so many Hillsborough truck stops I can order a sandwich board at. Uh, get busy. Get busy. I almost did in that Hillsborough truck stop. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is what I've seen between here and Hillsborough. This is what I've seen between A truck stop in flames. <laughs> Uh, well, the patrol car with Dr. Sartain, Allison, and Sleepy Michael stops down the street from Lori's compound. The doc is taking them there for one final showdown with Lori. And again, it, this is where we're going. If he hadn't driven Michael to Lori's house, Michael would have never gone to Lori's house. Michael doesn't give a shit about going to Lori's he house. He would have just gone house to house. He would still be in town doing his thing. He's only... Sartain brought him here. Okay. Yeah. They kind of... Okay. Um, Don't like it, but yeah. Yeah, he doesn't give a hot shit about Lori. Uh, He's just looking for more babysitters babysitters to kill. Uh, Why does Sartain stop the car down the street from Lori's? Well, Allison bluffs and tells the mad doctor that Michael said something to her when he killed her friend Oscar. He hits those brakes. He said something to you. What did he say? What did he say? And Sartain turns into the pocket. Say it! What did he say? Say it! I don't understand why they're so desperate to get him to talk. What if he talked and it was like a crazy voice like, Hey, everybody! (laughs) It's like a Mickey Mouse voice. (laughs) That'd be fun. I mean, that'd be something. 
I don't know. I really see. Tuss idea is Mike Tyson. I really see Myers. I don't know why I've been trying to kill people. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's like I I I was trying to kill somebody. Why? Why you guys on my back? He's been waiting 40 years to hear this guy talk for some reason, and when she says that he talked to her, she he freaks out. No, he's that dude from The Simpsons that runs the Costingman's department store. Michael, say something. Yes. (laughs) Oh yes. I am brain tumor. That's wonderful. He's like, you know what? Uh, Go back to being silent. Well, suddenly, while she's stalling, she just made it up to, to buy time. Somehow she... Oh, I guess he maybe says, like, I've just been waiting to hear him speak. Uh, while she's stalling, Michael wakes up next to her in the back seat. And he starts kicking the back of the driver's seat real hard, crushing Sartain against the steering wheel. Once again, just smashing some dude's face into something is his forte. Well, it gets worse. The doctor stumbles out of the car. Michael gets out and just curb stomps his head like a melon. Just stomps on it. It's, just like, a, it's like he stomps on a cantaloupe. It, it, just, it, just, was, it was a terrible effect. It, it, it just he, was he smashes his head and it just... It, just, it explodes. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> right, like, yeah. like, a, like a giant like a, just cassava melon. It's yeah. Just, by the evaporates. way, I know, uh, I know T.W.'s watching out there, so uh, Boondock T.W., I know you're a big fan of it. Uh, it's a beautiful looking ash you got going over there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when's the last time you guys said anything about my beautiful little ash? We'll talk about it after the show. It is a just over-the-top crook call for help <laughs> when up. you're against our will. Shut up. Shut up. Have another drink. Okay. Uh, it is a cheesy effect. I mean, it they, is. they basically filled a, a, a water balloon with guts and just he just stomped on it. I think this is one of those scenes to where they they I think they wanted you to to want the doctor to die and they thought they thought that this would be the the payoff for it, but they never set it up, so you really didn't care. And I really wanted the doctor to die like slowly as his throat's being crushed. Why haven't you said anything? Say something. Say something. <laughs> Give it to me. Just one thing. It's like Michael stomped on okay, like a bag of wet sod. It's just this, yeah, it was... Uh, well, two Haddonfield cops who've been parked down the road in front of Lori's place. They were put there as sentries to watch over this things. Is, this is classic cop behavior. What's going on down there? I don't know. <laughs> Hawkins' car is just parked down there with the lights swirling for like 10 minutes. Well, because they're too busy pontificating over the differences in their sandwich choices. Yes, who wants a, a bon me? hilarious little comedic moment of dialogue that was so not hilarious. No. It was obvious what they were trying to do. The, the, the cop, the sidekick comic relief cops is like a staple in a lot of this stuff. <laughs> Halloween Fives. And they just what missed. I was, it was honestly, what I was whip. expecting was Michael to break through the window and just pound that dude's face into the steering wheel. <laughs> well, they, that I would have liked. Well, they finally finish their their snacks and drive down the road to see what all the commotion's about. Uh, and then, of course, pull completely blunder cop behavior. I'm going to get out. What's going on? Who's doing what? Well, I can't figure it Mike, out. Michael takes care of these two putzes in his own special way. I'm sorry. All the attempts at dialogue-based humor in this film, uh, with the exception of the smart-ass little kid who worked for me, didn't work for the doctor, uh, it just none of it worked for me. And I guess, again, because maybe I don't like Danny McBride, this is his brand of humor. If you can call it humor, it's not funny. It was very dry. Nobody in the theater just, laughed during the sandwich no, talk. By the time nobody these did. two dipshits show up... Is it supposed to be a comedic? It, 
Is this a horror comedy? Why or? do we need a little two-minute scene of these guys talking about their sandwiches? They're not going to live more than two more minutes. We don't need to get to know these like guys. Like I said, They're I was, two I was honestly cops. was expecting. If you don't, I was care, expecting Michael scare. Myers to yeah. break through the fucking window and just pound the dude's face. At this point, I don't care world. about. Dan McBride and David Gordon Green, the guys making this movie. I agree with Tut that it was obvious what they were trying to do. It failed miserably. And at this point, my airplane minis of Grey Goose were gone, and I couldn't have given a (laughs) flying fuck about what happened to these two assholes. Well, a cop car then pulls up to Lori's house. Uh, It gets through the gate, and it... Boy, it got through that gate easy. Well, considering they're both dead and they're propped up with sticks, I mean... I didn't see anybody buzz them in. Uh, Dad Ray, uh, Ray the Wiz, walks out to see what's going on and wants to talk to the cops to see if they found Allison. He opens the door and he sees the two cops dead and mutilated. One of them, like, Myers peeled his face off. It's just kind of the face is laying there he on the... He turned it into, like, a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah, he kind of, like, some lit, lit some stuff. Which, again, Michael likes to, you know, he puts tombstones in bed, he... He is a uh, he is on presentation. Uh, He's a little prankster. That 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 didn't. <laughs> what do you expect with that voice? But it was also very similar, uh, Doctor, to the dead cops in Halloween Five, the goofball cops, and how they find them dead in the cop car. But remember, we didn't see that film. That film doesn't exist. And then Dan, uh, Dad Ray, the Wiz, gets strangled by Myers with were they wind chimes? Something. It's like some kind of Didn't w- care wind at chimes. Lori sees what's going on outside and locks up the house. Now she's locking up the house. Forty years she's had to build this secure Fort Knox. Better start locking some windows. Oh no, uh, we should go help him. And she prepares for war as her daughter Karen stays safely down the basement. Michael grabs Lori through the front door window and starts slamming her repeatedly against it. Uh, she barely breaks free, grabs a shotgun, and blows some of his fingers off. There's now a cat and mouse game throughout the house. He's in, he's obviously gets in the house. Forty years of planning, she couldn't avoid that outcome. He, he's in. This is way too long. She sweeps each room, rifle first, uh, for him. When she backs out of a room and's convinced he's not in there, she hits these buttons and these cage doors come down over Which each. Which is other pointless things. when she should have just locked all the doors from the beginning. Couldn't her and her yeah. daughter got in one of those rooms and just slapped it and locked themselves in there? Once again. I was like, okay, if your That's point was to sweep the oh, room and lock it. it for 40 years, I would have made a room in the house that was a box of steel that I could get in with my family and it would be impenetrable. And we just wait till the till the cops came. Yeah. You had 40 years to plan this. Well, no. The, <laughs> the point is, is you make the impenetrable box. She spent all her money on mannequins to shoot. You, you make a box that her you can't... Her mannequin budget was quite impressive. You make... Well, obviously her point was to burn the fucking house down from the beginning. Correct. So you would have made the box that he once he gets in, he can't get out. You get in your safe and box, you burn the like rest of the house down. Like a human-sized fireproof safe. Correct. Would you have snacks in there? Of course. You don't know how long you're going to be in there. Might as well. My panic room is going to have snacks. What kind of snacks? Peanuts and Steel Reserve. Uh, poker mix. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> It'll last 15 years. That'll last till 100 <laughs> that, years. All of that varnish. Fine, last two hours. Well, I drank all my steels and ate my bag of peanuts. I guess I'm going to starve to death. 
I didn't think this one through. I would need. Where am I going to go to the bathroom? I just drank four tall cans of Steel Reserve. Oops. Well, I left this little hatch open. Michael stabs you through it. Steel Reserve. Oh, the irony. Drinking will help me plan. <laughs> Bring me my drinking hat. Uh, he still hasn't said anything. Well, she's going through the the house and sealing each room a, as she goes through it. Well, I had played video games that were less complicated. You know, as she goes through this room with this rifle, you'd think over the last 40 years she would have got like an AR-15 with one of those bump stock things or something. No, I mean... It's, it's like an old-timey like Western rifle. Well, my problem is, is it literally is the longest. <laughs> and she's like having to lead into the room like... Michael literally can just grab the end, yeah. like, and she's like still eight feet outside the room. No, like no shit. Okay, you've had that long. Chuck Norris Invasion you, USA, two little Mac tens right aren't here. Aren't you sawing off the barrel? Don't you, you don't give a shit if it's illegal. You're gonna black. If gonna you're sh- gonna go through your house, urban combat style, you've got the short gun. You're. She 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 does none of that. Apparently, also her security system is from the eighties. <laughs> Yeah, listen, yeah, yeah. She doesn't have a job. She can't afford the newest stuff. That's right. That's right. Come I don't even on. know how she could afford this place. She just got three thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She's she's okay, first mannequins of all, to shoot. She can afford those mannequins. She, afford she can from all afford the podcasters. All of. I mean, did you see all that hardwood paneling? That shit's not cheap. I love how you guys have all checked out so much at this point. It's all about just her choice of weapon, the the wood pan, the aesthetic choices of her house. Did you see those fake granite countertops in her kitchen? It was clearly synthetic. I checked out to the point that I was having trouble keeping my eyes open for this denouement. Well, how much Grey Goose did you have? I will say this: the very older, little, very little. I will say this: the older couple, tempered by the popcorn and the butter. The older couple that was sitting right next to me got up and left. At what point? Probably about. 30 minutes before the end. Okay. Wow. What were they doing there anyway? Oh, he was a he was a Carpenter fan. Oh. Uh, we uh, I watched it at the Alamo, and you know they do run the vignettes before it, and then they do the whole you know silence your cell phones. They actually had a, a John Carpenter pop up on there, and it was like, well, it's like old John Carpenter always said, and I giggled. I mean, I I absolutely just like laughed out loud, and the old guy kind of looked at me. And I was like. I'm sorry, that's a uh, big trouble little child. He's like, yeah, I know. Oh, so you tried to like school him, and he he was like, he was like, he, yeah. but he up, didn't kid. find it humorous. <laughs> shut up, kid. You need a beer. You need a beer. Yes, I need a beer. That's, when, that's when you should have said like, a cab driver told me. Like he said, no, I had a white tiger. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as I get some more beers, uh, yeah, you might as well. I'm gonna go ahead and give this uh, beer a. And cigar, thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up. Agreed. I thought they worked fine together. Uh, the beers have been serving a beer's purpose in aiding the good times, and uh, that's that's what I'm looking for tonight. And it did its job. I found the evil catfish anything but evil. Good times, like I said to the Rev. Ain't nothing <laughs> but a good time. We've come full circle. Um. Yeah, it's uh, the beer's done great, and boy, that cigar really came alive there in the, at, at the end. It really did. Um, did you notice that the whole upstairs of Lori's house was an exact replica of the Doyle house, where her final confrontation, as far yes. as the style of the closet doors, yes, uh, where the, win- the the balcony and the window placement, 
Um, she even had a, a model of the Myers house, yes. a dollhouse up there among all her mannequins. Um, you know, basically it's exact copy of where Michael hunted her down 40 years ago, only she's now the hunter. And again, it's a nice touch. Poor hunter. But you've hinged your whole movie on these little touches. You have to get past the. the But that's their whole. Rather than a narrative that's cohesive, that's the whole thing. Is they're gonna the audience is gonna just sprout wood over all these little nods we do. We're gonna keep doing that, and that's our movie. Well, they they should they should have put the brakes on that in this last final act because you should be so invested at this point, ideally. That you only want to don't have to go. You don't, you don't want to see that. Right. Like, like Yak said, he got distracted by it to where it took him out of the action. You don't want that. If, if you've done your job at this point, you care so much about what's going on. You don't need little throwaway touches. Uh, remember the hallway closet door in the first one where it just swung open on its own as Lori was going and Linda's body was in there. We have that again happen, but it's Dad Ray, the Wiz, his dead body. She she finds in the in the closet. Um, we've uh, I already mentioned the dollhouse. Finally, Michael attacks Lori from behind uh, a giant stack of mannequins. She's mannequins all over this place, uh, and he's hiding behind it. And he finally comes out and, and he attacks her in the upstairs bedrooms. We saw her. There was a scene earlier. We see her out in the woods. She puts these mannequins out and practices Targets. her Targets. That was another, her rifleman skills. That was another thing that could have been cool. The scene with the the manic just again poor execution. That could have been cool, where like you didn't know where if you stand. No, there. if if we panned over just across the room and he was just standing just there, just standing there, and you just caught it. That's classic stuff. Didn't, didn't happen though. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Um, and he grabs her and he throws her out the two story window. But when Michael walks over the window and is looking down on her crumpled body, he hears all of a sudden her granddaughter Allison arrive. She's been running through the woods ever since the the car thing, and somehow she gets into the compound. It's the easiest thing to get into. No fencing. This no. is the worst compound. It's for forty years. Lori really dropped the ball on this she compound. She didn't plan well. Tut, she my did. abandoned sawmill saw was going to be locked, locked down up. a lot better than this. Yeah. Well, Myers hears her calling out. You know, mom. I can't wait for the sawmill, man. Mom, she calls Lori. I thought it was weird. Grandmother, not grandma. Yeah. Grandmother. Grandmother. I never called my grandma that. Who's grandma? That what, who's, is that what the Illinois people say? Who's ever said that, grandmother? Grandmother. Excuse me, grandmother. If you've ever called your grandma grandmother, I'll give you a shirt. Boy, I'm really stretching here. <laughs> Some dude home. Yeah, right, I called her grandmother. Just give me a shirt. <laughs> Did you ever call your grandma grandmother? No. Nobody has. Well, Michael's distracted from looking at Lori by Allison's voice. Um, and then when he looks back down, Lori's gone. Again exact replica of what happened in the first one when Michael Bruce was on Ross the ground. Bruce Ross says awesome work, guys. Well, thank you, Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it. We suggested earlier that Tatuahi make a Bruce the Shark monster cigar. That is true. Full circle. Full circle. Well. Sort of. Uh, so he looks down and 60-year-old Lori has... After flying through the two-story window down on the ground, she's gone. Which, of course, is a throwback to when Myers disappeared. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. I, I, I bet it. 
I bang my shin on a kitchen cupboard door. Yeah, I'm not up that one. I am down for the count. I'm bitching about it for hours. I'm, <laughs> she's 60 years old. She just flew out a two-story window after getting banged up against that front door oh, a thousand times. Brack out of her. She's up. But it's a throwback. I, I like, but no, hey, no, no, no. It, it's m- not just a throwback. It's all but, that Activia yogurt she's been eating. <laughs> her bowels are... Doctor, what, if you ate that much if Activia you yogurt... Activia yogurt, Mr. Kane, <laughs> let me tell you that, my God, your intestinal fortitude is off the charts. My God, every fiber of her being must be burning with sensation fiber. and endorphins. <laughs> with fiber. With fiber. Every fiber of her being is burning with fiber. Will she have a bowel movement by 2 a.m.? Well, Tuttle, that's a great question, and you know what? I think it's far too early to tell. For you, right. for you folks at home, that is the quote that the doctor says on these amazing Two Snides of Garth shirts. <laughs> doctor, do you think our drinking might have a podcast problem? In my opinion, it's far too early to tell. And look, that's you, Doc. Hey, that's me. And the great thing about the size of the double XL T-shirt, ladies and germs, oh, it's an is that on, it's a, an on a windy day, you've got yourself a little bit of a hang glider. <laughs> I don't know what it's like, but uh, my wife keeps telling me, put that Mincy shirt back on. Uh, come on. Uh, something, something to explore there, Doctor. <laughs> come on. Well, well, cut. All in the family, brother. Yeah, you're not you're not allowed in my house. Yeah. Never. Probably mm. shouldn't be. Uh... <laughs> So, 60-year-old Lori is up and at him. Michael oh, starts heading downstairs. Okay, so one of the one of the themes through this movie is that, you know, Lori is so fixated with Michael that mm-hmm. it's become more about her fixation with him than his fixation with her. Again. And so now you have, like, her basically kind of becoming the Michael Myers. She's the hunter. Right. Correct. And I think that's what that scene was trying to do. Oh, no. I, I think that It was the, very on the nose. Right. There was more of a purpose to that scene than just but the I throwback. Got, but I got it know? way earlier than that, that this, yeah. was, this was her doing all this. Yeah. He's going to start killing people because he's there. He didn't want to be there. He got stuffed in a car and dropped off. But it's kind of like a homeless guy. You give him a ride somewhere, and it's like, all right, I'm here now. I got Because I, we've removed I can't, the, I can't go anywhere else. My, my little town, the cops used to, if there was uh, transients or, or homeless people, they'd pick them up and they'd drive them down to where Cody lives. <laughs> Thanks. You're Thanks their a lot. Pro- you're their problem now. That's kind of like Myers. Hey, here he is. All right, well, I'm going to kill people because I'm here, but I don't, I'd kill wherever I am. I doubt he even recognizes Lori. She doesn't look anything the same. She, I mean, there's a good chance he doesn't even know what's going on. Probably yeah. not. I'm like, uh, I don't know. If only he would speak to us. <laughs> Say something. Say something. It's a good point because my whole thought was in comparison to H2O, where part two is still part of the narrative. He's not his sister. And and she's the sister. That is why he would, you know, when he finds out where she is, go after her. Whereas in this case, because in the original part two... We all know the background. Carpenter never envisioned that. They threw money at him. They, they wrote that in. You kind of had a, to have a reason for him to want to go after her in part two. In this, in oh no! This, the minute you decide you're franchising, you got to give it purpose. In this movie, which is a part two, it's a good point that you made. 
if Sartain doesn't drive him there, he's never going after her. No! He would have just been killing people in the town. Yes! He wasn't rummaging through files trying to find where Lori is. He wasn't... He'd care less. He was not a detective. Maybe that's how he figured out where Lori was because of the police files that he got. Uh, no, he just grabbed the, the white pages. <laughs> everyone everyone every, can find her. Everyone knows where she lives. <laughs> and there's nothing going on. And the apparently, road. everyone can get in. Nothing going on at the Rotary Club. No, the Strode House. All right, I'll go down there and kill a few people. <laughs> well, Allison joins her mom down the basement. Uh, Karen sees her childhood rifle. She's been very hesitant to grab any guns, and and she's anti-violence. But she sees at this point things are escalating. She sees her childhood rifle that she learned to shoot. You know, her whole childhood was Lori teaching her how to survive, how to fight back. She sees her childhood rifle with her initials carved in the stock, and she grabs it. This is a little Christmas story rifle, a little red rifle, <laughs> <laughs> a red rider. But. Uh, as they look up the basement stairs, remember it was the basement entrance was sealed by that giant kitchen island. Michael just rocks it a little bit and tips it over. Uh, he's not showing himself at the top of the basement until Karen's like, "I can't do it. I, I just, I'm, I, I'm, I can't do it." Her fear draws him out, and he appears at the top of the stairs. To which all of a sudden, Karen's like, "Gotcha!" Shoot, or bullseye or whatever she says gotcha. and she shoots gotcha. him in the head she shoots him right in the head uh, with a rifle it was a trap she's faking the whole time all of a sudden she's 20 got feet away <laughs> i'm Michael, sorry he's michael myers no i'm sorry he's michael myers i'm sorry michael again myers. his I, brains his head would have fucking exploded again i hit my shin on a kitchen cupboard door <laughs> i'm out for hours <laughs> you couldn't you can't say oh you just nicked his head oh. if you had grazed his head you would have peeled away half of his fucking skull at 20 feet with that rifle. I clipped my fingernails today and it still kind of hurts. <laughs> it's just... All right, we've established a few things. TNCC is a bunch of pussies. This is when I checked out. Well, I was like, if that son of a bitch gets up after you shot him in the fucking no, head at 20 he's feet... Michael Myers! No, it doesn't work it's that way! It's not the Michael of 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10... This is Michael Myers, human being. Although, he, I mean, he got up after Loomis shot him five times, so th- that's been established. But, yeah, not in the head. Loomis was head. maybe drinking heavily. He might have missed a few <laughs> times. Loomis had a flask. He had a flask. He was shot five times, missed all vital organs. I shot him six times. Well, I fired six shots. <laughs> I'm sure one of them hit him. One of them had to hit him. Dude, that's when Brack was like, no man could take that. I'm sure you... Oh, what have you been drinking? They walk in the backyard where it's Meyer's body hit the ground. There's all these dead birds lying around. You just shot up a bunch of blue jays, you dumb shit. I'm going to need more wild turkey. Six bluebirds. Filling <laughs> station in flames. That was a liquor store you robbed. You shot the clerk. You hey, he's not human. No, maybe you're not human. Well, Lori's suddenly back uh, in the house. And she starts stabbing Michael dozens of times as he lays on the kitchen floor. The ladies then start to push him down the basement as Allison is climbing out of the basement. He grabs Allison's her leg and tries to drag her down with him. But she then grabs a knife. There's knives everywhere. She grabs a knife off the floor, stabs his hand, and crawls back out. Suddenly, some metal bars are released across the top of the basement entrance, sealing Michael from getting out. 
It's not a cage for the Strode family this house anymore. It's what it's always been designed to be, a trap for Michael. And Lori remotely then, with the, the remote control, activates a system of gas tanks that release gas throughout the house, Tut style. And she lights a flare and drops it down. It's true. true. She lights a flare, drops it down the basement, and the whole shit box goes up in flames. Okay. The Strode women then flag down a chicken truck driving by, and they climb in the back. Nice little scene of Michael staring up through the stairs. Well, that and just like another heroine, uh, Sally from Texas Chainsaw, she was uh, rescued by a a passing truck. That poor bastard. Yeah. That poor guy. Uh, not the guy who saved her, the guy in the truck who yeah, tried to help her. Bitch, yeah. He's always one of those guys to be like the most unfortunate dudes. And last, he, and it, he stopped like the old dad stopped at the beginning of this film. Never stop. No, no. never try to help anybody. That's that's <laughs> the keep going. That's the lesson. Self preservation. Tut, just party. Call nine one one. Hit the accelerator. Well. Uh, as we look at them in the back I'm of the... I'm sorry, sir. You failed to render aid? Fuck you. <laughs> as we pan across them in the back of the truck, Lori's holding her bloody stomach. You know, she was she was fucked up pretty bad. There's a shell-shocked Karen, I guess. Just kind of sitting there. <laughs> uh, and then we see that Allison is in there still holding the knife. Oh, God. And they kind of linger on that. They do. Are you ready for Allison the slasher? Which would make no sense. No. The well, we never see Myers really die. No. He's down there well, the we see the flames all around him, but he's just sitting there. No blood on his mask from getting shot in the head, by the way. Just but he's just sitting there looking up as, as the, the basement erupts in flames. It's a pretty scene. I and, like that, and the house burns down. And then, boom, the end credits begin. And it's the credits play out, but at the very end of the credits, we hear Michael breathing through his mask. Is this the end? For us, it is the end. The movie's over. It's the end. Uh, but with a $77 million opening weekend, it most certainly is not. Tut, honestly, walking in there, did you think we were going to like it? I didn't know. I, I honestly didn't know. I felt that y'all... Alright, this is going to sound mean, and I don't mean it to be. I figured that y'all wouldn't, because like a lot of fan bases that are hardcore... You never like reboots. You never like the sequels. Uh, and dude, I'm not talking about you guys. I know. I'm, I'm but you're talking, talking to two guys fan who bases. you're talking to two guys who put Halloween Four right, right up there with the original almost. You're talking about guys who love Halloween me, Six. Trust me, get me going. Give on. me a good Halloween story. We're we're on board. Trust me, get me going on the Last Jedi, and I will just crap all over that stuff. So I mean, I, I, I I'm trying to be pragmatic there. I. I thought that there was some cool elements to it. This was kind of a Halloween sequel, but it was kind of disjointed to where I could definitely see where you guys would come in and attack certain points of it. I didn't expect y'all to to crap on it as much. Well, we were actually, but at the same time, hearing your explanations, I understand it. So you make a very good point. Um, about people who are fans of a series, given Resurrection and much more so the Rob Zombie films, my expectations, I can honestly say that ever since the first trailer, I went into this with an open mind. As 
as much as that's possible for me to do, which it is because there hasn't been a watchable Halloween movie in 20 years since H2O, which in my review you'll see it's not remarkable, but it's a watchable movie. Yeah. There hasn't been a good one in 30 years since part four. Uh, part six is okay, but... It's a, it's a fun... So with, with Resurrection being the last of the... You know that that part of the universe and the Rob Zombie movies, as horrible as they were, I, there's no need to talk about them. That that enables me to go into this with a totally open mind, and I and, wanted to like it and accept accept the the timeline, accept where they're you know rebooting it to. I, I, that none of that I'm going into it like you. I'm going into it open minded. I thought it was a piece of shit, and I thought that the I was indifferent to every performer other than Jamie Lee. I thought that it was a mishmash. It was disjointed. They tried to include too much. You at one point earlier in the show said it's too long. It was 106 minutes when most of them are 20 minutes shorter than that. I don't have a problem with the length of a film. It's got to be tight. Yeah, but your story has to. Go. The jokes, the, the jokes fell good. flat. The narrative was poor. The extreme close-ups of everything gave me a fucking headache. Uh, I, I wanted to like it. I went and open-minded. All of that. I feel that if if we're looking for villains, I don't have anything against Danny McBride, but him and Gordon Green, we gotta blame them. When when Judy Greer, when. When Will Patton, when these people are just falling flat, when you just don't care, when you just don't care about the granddaughter, okay, yeah, that's that's got to be on the, the, the performers, too. They've, they've got some culpability. They can't be blameless. we really got to blame them. It's a poor narrative. It was poorly paced. It was very stilted. I'm ready to get out of the theater when it's over with. I'm sorry. I thought it was a piece of shit. <laughs> That, that's 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 my feeling on it. Much it was like our fans. I was it was poorly paced. I was ready to get out of this feed. Yeah, I was ready to get out of here. I hated the. I was indifferent to the doctor. I was indifferent to Tut. Didn't care whether he lived or died. <laughs> Say something. Say something. Say something. Speak to me. It was like Mike Damone says in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You don't care if she comes, stays, lays her praise. I didn't care. I didn't give a shit. Yeah. It, it was. It was I, I can understand. I, I, I truly can. We're understand. gonna see a sequel. It's gonna happen because it made a lot of money. I wanted to like it. I'm sorry. I, I thought it was a piece of shit. I did see some comments on the Facebook live feed where they said that uh, Cade is the Jamie Lee Curtis of the Two Nights Scar Club podcast. I've been watching it all night. They, the ugly they never, one. They never said that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, doctor. Hey, you fired me. I fired you. Um, I like Jamie Lee. I liked her. I wanted to. I, I walked in wanting to like, Didn't like it. Else. For me, uh, it just got sunk on the on the performances, which goes ultimately to the director. Uh, the mis execution of, of what could have been cool set pieces just weren't shot and edited correctly, in my humble opinion. Uh, you could have had some really memorable stuff, especially that backyard scene, man. It was there. It was. It was there, it was. and they and they missed. But that. But I, I, didn't I like, think that was kind of like the. The summation of the whole movie. Yeah, and you just missed. With I the, also read there was a two-hour and fifteen-minute initial cut. Yeah, and so they had to cut like twenty-nine minutes to get to what they had. I hope it was more jokes. Because oh, those, those were just so good. Uh, one of my favorite film writers uh, online, Scott Mendelson, who writes for Forbes, said this, and I, I do agree with this. 
in North America, the movie's already more successful than The Predator. In one weekend, The Predator reboot that just came out, Terminator Genesis, and Alien Covenant. Three other franchises that didn't have not done well over you know coming back after a hiatus. One weekend, the new Halloween film is already bested all those movies. That this successful straight-up sequel featured not just the return of the iconic villain, but also the iconic hero, played by the original actress, shouldn't go unnoticed. Halloween didn't just make $76 million domestic and $91 million worldwide in three days because it was another Halloween movie, or even that it was another Halloween movie from Blumhouse that boasted unconventional filmmakers. A big part of the film's success was that it connected directly back to the John Carpenter, Deborah Hill original, while bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis in her star-making role. Yes, they played that card in 1998 with H2O, but the forces of pop culture and nostalgia are far more potent than they were back in 98. For longtime fans of the Halloween franchise, Laurie Strode is as essential as Michael Myers. Michael without Laurie is like the Joker without Batman. I think there's something to that. It, there is, yeah. as long as... Oh my God, if she wasn't in this, but, but there, there, I would have literally nothing. But there is, as long as you accept the premise that Michael is going after Lori. Now, if you go with the Luma strategy of this is just a great white soulless killing machine, mm. it doesn't matter if Lori's there. Can you imagine... Just, can I, you imagine... Well, whatever their dynamic is, whatever their motivations are, she's there. Can you imagine this film if they had just cast this girl as, oh, a, a, and it was just her, Michael but, coming but after a, Judy Greer a, and his but, daughter but that's a fault of the story that's not oh. a fault uh, it's just so do you do you am I finally going to hear what I want to hear you say which is other than Jamie Lee Curtis this movie was a piece of shit there were moments that I liked that I thought worked style wise and and character wise I actually didn't have a problem with Michael in this film I thought the guy playing him had good physicality. I thought he, I thought he handled himself because there's been some bad Michaels in that suit and yeah. under that mask. I thought the guy playing Michael, unlike you, Doc, I actually liked the Halloween two throwback of him going in, into the the first few houses and and kind of getting his mojo back after 40 years of just kind of killing some random. <laughs> that 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 scene kind of worked for me. Uh, but boy. The fact that the, the the crux of this was on so many characters that I thought were terrible. Dr. Sartain didn't like him. Didn't believe any of that storyline. Uh, the daughter and the granddaughter were terrible. You can't, you can't build this thing without credible, really good acting. It's a movie. At the end of the day, you can have a great script or a great idea on how to bring this back. It's the actors that are going to bring it to life. Yeah, but at and the you same time, drop the fucking you, you, ball. But at the same time, uh, this didn't have a great script. Uh, it didn't have great actors. No Halloween so. movie has a great script. No Halloween movie is going to be like, man, the, the, the. no. It's I'm sorry. Always gonna, I, no, you put I, Pleasants and Charlie Cyphers in a cop car, and those two fucking titans are just kicking ass with their dialogue. Yes, because it's simple, straightforward, realistic dialogue. If you had Loomis and Charlie Cyphers talking about what kind of sandwich meat they prefer, yes, because you think and your buddies think in the writing room that this is Come funny. On, Lewis and the religious nut going down the road where Loomis takes a swig off the flask. That was a great scene. Hey, did you guys see that truck in one shot in this that said Resurrection Church on the side? Wasn't that where the 
the breacher was. Yes. Yeah. Do you agree well, though that like they I said, hinged so much on those goddamn little throwbacks? It did. It, it did. It, like, it, oh look the Halloween three mask! Oh, I got chubby. Well, you know, that's one of the things that I think like, you're trying to please too many people because you're like, all right, we're going to ignore all these films that you people care about, but we'll give you every five seconds a little something. You've got to have a those. narrative. Well, you know, I love the fact that everybody in Haddonfield watches nothing but '80s television shows and movies. <laughs> I mean that that was my thing. Like I said, it it every uh, Repo Man was on the TV. Voyagers. Yeah. Oh my God. I was they hinged the movie on it. I'm sorry. They thought that all these little bitty little things and were going to get everybody get everybody so excited. And that tore me out of the out of the scene every single time. Like, who the fuck would be watching Repo Man in <laughs> 2000? What? <laughs> I mean, I'm just sitting here going, what? Why? Is Maybe that, Emilio Estevez. He's not doing much these days. And I mean, I literally said that out but loud. I, think, and I, I was I a repo man. You're sharing the great goose with me. I think that comes down to creating a believable world, and this world just wasn't believable. Well, I mean, because like, it, it's one thing to have all these throwbacks, but if you're going to create it in the modern times. The fact that the podcasters didn't even have a microphone with them, it was like they were like... <laughs> did we you did you notice that or, to, don't or did I... care about any of that. No, actually I didn't notice that to be honest. But I can see where that just knocks you out of it. I, if, they, if they miss on that interesting detail, well, I mean, I, the whole world itself is just kind well, of like, weird. And you, you know, as you said, we've been saying, it just disjointed. I mean, he goes through that one woman house, and he, I think it was the the woman with the he, first woman he killed with the hammer. She has a rotary dial phone on the wall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like 1970s <laughs> brown plastic no, I rotary yeah. dial phone. I'm like, who the fuck has that? Well, see that you know it's kind of interesting, like. Uh, and so, know, literally, my brain, I'm looking at the scene because I'm like, I'm looking at that set, like, what are you showing me? Well, it's one thing that it's kind of interesting because, like, when we, reviewed, when we reviewed when we reviewed it follows, and we talked about how the technology was disjointed to where, but you they, but that was an intentional. They created an alternate kind of world, right? But as still, but still, that world was very believable. This world was just kind of it was kind of weird. I mean, it was it was, like, it, was the only it was a mix. It was a it was just a mashup of everything. And don't get me wrong, I love Easter eggs in movies and in TV. And but I don't think and the whole point of an Easter egg is you don't point out Draw the Easter it. egg. The 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 dollhouse of the original. I thought was great. It could have just, but it just be in the corner. Just leave it in the corner. And then we've got it. Oh, and the house is burning. We're going to show you the dollhouse burning. And then the the TV. You didn't need to linger on that. But because I'm a Star Wars fan, I will relate it to it. I love uh, shit. Rogue One. Rogue One is an awesome movie, and I love it. But there's a scene in there where they show like the blue milk, and it was like so. Prominent in that scene, it was just kind of, uh, remember this? Remember this? It didn't need that. No. But this movie was like, for 70% of the movie, was like, remember this? Remember this? They they relied, kind of like what Doctor was saying, they relied so much on the remember this. No, you have to have a story there. You have to. 
create something. I, I thought it actually. I, I'm going to go against the group here. I, I thought it actually had a. It's a Halloween sequel. Usually these things are straight to video. At this point, I thought the story was you know a crazy doctor who orchestrates this entire thing to to re- to drop Michael into it. That's fine, but that is the story. Show that shit. That no, that is, that is the story. But no, y'all y'all talked about all right. So you you were like all right, the doctor created the bus crash, created all that shit. Show the doctor doing that. Well, I'm, and not, give I'm me, not opposed give, to making you use, the of, audience use their brains. A no, little bit. I, I understand that, but if that's your premise, how the doctor created this to like do this, the doctor shouldn't have disappeared for the entire middle sixty percent of the film if he was truly orchestrating this. It should have been if it, you, it, even it, though it, it's it, not a it, precedent it, it, with the original. If you're gonna do it this way, I, you should have made it more like a mystery, like kind of. But I, 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 I'm not I, saying I need to just get a doctor like the, as like Michael's killing people over in the shadows, twirling his mustache. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it, it strikes back to a theme that's kind of prevalent throughout this entire podcast. The elements were there; they were just poorly executed. I understand their intent of yeah. what they were trying to do there. Oh yeah. It just it didn't it the, didn't the, sync up. The shoot, it just the, it just didn't flow. It uh, just, it's it's it was a it was a poor shooting script. It was it was uh, in my opinion the actors were were not given direction. Uh, the really what could have been memorable set pieces. Cause that's what these movies are about ultimately. Yeah. The cool kills could have been a lot. There were some cool kills, but the, the some of the ones that could have been really memorable fell short. And, and, and once again, you know, especially with these, the implied violence is always stronger I than what you I see. I know, but I mean, you can't in today's day and age, especially, you know, what they're shooting for here. you, you got to show some of the goods, and I get that. You can that. show some of the goods, but well, I, yes. I, I agree with Cody, though, that, you know, there's there's an art, there's a tact. Yeah, that, but at the same point, you were like, man, that shot of that knife going through that chick's throat was awesome. That's not implied. It was, but at the same time, the off-screen kill of the hammer was pretty cool, too. I'm saying there needs to be a balance. There there was a whole bunch of... One of the things that made the original Halloween so spooky for me, as a non-horror fan, the hedgerow shot. I mean, she looks back. There's nothing there. The camera cuts back. Michael's there. She looks back a third time. There's nothing there. That shit was just so visceral. It was so cool. You know, he had a to me this this movie it, he had it a, misses character. He had a well here well they, well, they definitely uh, failed on that. He has a skill set that we saw in the first where he can come and go and disappear, you know, whether it's in the bed sheets out in the backyard or whether it's behind a tree or a hedge or outside the school, Michael has this way of being there and then not being there, and they didn't. I love they, that setup. And I do too. And they didn't. They didn't do any of that in in this film. And the one scene where they could have really done some cool stuff with it, the motion lights, they just completely botched. All right. Um, I will say this: I I still kind of enjoyed going to the theater and seeing it. It was interesting to watch it with an audience and see when they. The audience was laughing. Like I said, when they points. gasp at the baby, yes. when they laugh at the at the little babysitting kid, I, I don't go out enough. For me, more than anything, this movie reaffirmed why I don't go out. I don't like being around the general public. I kind of liked it. Uh, I, I actually did kind of like I, it. I, I'm like Lori. I got my compound. Uh, 
I, I can wait for VOD and just rent movies. I don't need to be going out and mixing it I, up. I kind of liked it. I, I kind of like. We are much more social person. Than I, I kind of like that communal herd mentality. Once you've discovered going to movies that started around four fifty or five o'clock on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, you never go to a movie on a weekend ever again. I saw this at one ten on a Sunday. Oh dear God. I can top you at two twenty on a Saturday <laughs> opening weekend. Four fifty on Monday. Three um, people there plus me. In the in the giant XD theater. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, all right, I'm going to. Uh, so Brooke won a T-shirt tonight. Brooke won a t-shirt. She came in and saved the day with the movie trivia. Congratulations, Brooke. Uh, is there anybody else, or am I just gonna hold on to the other one? I would go with. Uh, How about Bruce, who gave us a shout out? Man, I want to say Bruce, but he's a college friend of mine, so I don't know how that works. I'm going to deny Bruce. All right, then, Derek. As a Sam Houston uh, man, I'm going to deny any nitwit who would show his face on the Stephen F. Austin campus. No, I, don't, I, don't I think that's where they filmed that asylum scene, isn't it? It was cool. They just got yeah. some postgrad guys out there and uh, gave them some Slim Jims. Much and like me, I don't think he graduated Stephen F. Austin. Oh, well. It reminds me of that uh, American Dad episode where Steve goes to visit I'm Arizona State. I'm sorry if I State. just sounded you there, Bert. And he gets locked in the basement for five days, and then Roger the Fish is like, Steve, you graduated. He's like, what? I've been locked down here all week. Remember when you answered that question in class? That was the minimum requirement to graduate from Arizona State. <laughs> and he shows up, and they're like, Steve, who had been tortured in the basement, spoke for 20 minutes about... Hot pants pee hole. He was given a doctorate and five butt ices. All right, let's uh, let's bring this this party to a close. Well, we'll keep partying after the. What's up? When Facebook Live's off, we can finally talk normal. Uh, beer. Mm. Big thumbs up. Three and a half. Oh. Cigar. I'm going to thumbs up on it. Three and a half. I liked it. Picked up strength at the end. Good flavors. Movie. Mm. can't believe I'm half in all this shit. Half a thumb up on the movie. <laughs> you know what? I'll give you a half. That equals one thumb up. One what a sellout. <laughs> Look. I, Actually, you know what? No, no, you can't introduce another thumb into the mix. That's, oh. what, that's what she said. Uh, <laughs> there goes my old medical practice. We'll <laughs> uh, say this: I switched to the uh, Boondock Saints. <laughs> yeah. And uh, man, all right. So you got Black Label Trading Company. It's classic Nicaraguan. Got that rustic feel to it. Got the nice leather, nice earth tones, spices on the light up. I dig it. A good follow-up, uh, probably uh, what you wanted to follow up uh, the Michael with. Get some of that stuff you wanted out of the Michael that you didn't get. Yeah. All right. Uh, so check out the Michael from Tatuaje. Go get you one. See if you agree with us. Go get you a Evil Catfish IPA Barrel Brewing. Uh, get yourself a Boondock Cigar from Black Label. One day I'm going to make you watch the Boondock Saints. I have watched it, and I'm going to reserve saying anything because I like the Black Label folks, and I don't, I don't want to <laughs> say anything hey, let's about. Let's thank it. everybody that uh, joined in tonight. Thank you, Doctor, for 
reminding me to thank you. Thank them. I appreciate everybody for their uh, everybody for joining us. Everybody for commenting. Uh, certainly, Mr. Derek Matthews. Certainly, Rev. Certainly, Brooke. And we'll even give a shout out to Tut's buddy Bruce and everybody Woo! else that joined us this evening. We appreciate uh, we appreciate you joining us and appreciate uh, Bruce, your feedback T-W, and your questions. Rev, Mike, Hope you enjoyed Micah. it. You start sounding like uh, Judge Kavanaugh over there. Scooter, Skeeby. Uh, Did you see that Matt Damon skit on Saturday Night Live? We like beer. I was lifting weights every we night like with Squee. <laughs> Have a college with Bruce. PJ. Squee. And Donkey Tonk Doug. Oh. All right. Uh, Tut links. You probably don't need to give the Facebook link on this one. Uh, yeah, join us on uh, Facebook because, wait, actually, you've already joined us on Facebook. Yes. Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Uh, you can join us on Instagram at TNCC underscore podcast. You can join us on Twitter at TNCC cast. Uh, join us on YouTube, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Hey, come out in November and uh, party with us at the uh, Louisiana Barn Smoker. It will be the final barn smoker of the year. TNCC will be there, and we will be smoking barns. Oh, my goodness. So many barns. It took me like four weeks to get the barn smoke out of the Kentucky barn smoker. Those boys can smoke some shit. Yes, they can. And I am looking forward to Louisiana because we've met the dude that owns the farm there. We've met him like three or four times. No, he doesn't know the farm. Okay. So he just like... Have I been talking to the wrong guy? No, he's a broker. He buys tobacco from... Oh, okay. he, he doesn't really Much he like doesn't the nation of Turkey, the doctor is not allowed in the state of Louisiana. <laughs> okay. That's true. That's uh, true. Uh, maybe uh, I shouldn't have gone back to that guy's hotel room. I'm sorry. You guys... Oh. Oh. Wait, what? Speaking of two thumbs what? down. No, wait. Were you wearing the pumpkin shirt? It was more like two thumbs up. But, uh, wait, what? How about a shout-out to Fritz Beer Music? Woo-hoo! Fritz Beer Music. All night long, we have been listening to... Live at Elijah P's, The Bishops Double CD, available now at fritzbeermusic.com. Pick up The Bishops Double CD, because my friends... Doctor called me today on his way uh, down here from Dallas, and I heard Fritz Beer on the stereo. He he bought the CD. He's been rocking it. Now, I'm a friend of Fritz Beer, like we all are. Uh, man, Bishop CD, that is some that is some ass kicking music. I'm a better friend of Fritz than you are. If you want to buy, I, I didn't. I wasn't gonna get into a tinkling contest. Fritz likes me better than all you guys. If you want to buy some cigars, go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. Click on the uh, famous smoke banner there, and then just Love you know, Fritz. go do your thing. Uh, also, uh, Christmas is coming up. You want to buy the family some gifts? Go you want to buy Matt Cade some gifts? It, Okay, you want to buy the family some gifts? Go to Amazon.com on our link there. It helps us pay some bills. You get like you know one percent of that. It doesn't cost you anything more. Doesn't inflate the price. Based on tonight's uh, reactions, I'm gonna guess the Tuesday Night Cigar Club T-shirts aren't a big gift, uh, a big seller this uh, Christmas. Season. No, they will be. It's it's. Cult it's what classic. every member of the doctor's family is getting for Christmas. <laughs> it's cult classic. Cult classic. Oh great, a T-shirt with you on it. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Love you, Ma. Feliz Navidad. Uh, all right. Well, Derek, that was close enough. Lesker. You got to try uh, new things, I'm told. Um, we tried Facebook Live tonight. Who knows if we'll if we'll try these. I'm like, a fan of it. I am totally a fan of it. You seem very happy over there. You're jumping around. You're, you're, you're on your phone. You're on the keyboard. You're, you're I've got just, my five-year plan. This is starting the road. No, oh. just need to truncate our shows from like four hours down a little bit. I thought the show. How long are we been going on tonight? 
uh, my card's full, so who knows what the audio is like. You actually didn't. Uh, I did not. Start you didn't do your thing. Uh, I thought it'd be shorter because, like I said, I just walked out of the movie and wrote down notes. I was amazed by how much I actually kind of remembered walking out of the movie. You memorized the entire film in triplet. Hey, if nothing else, this movie gave me a new John Carpenter CD, and I'm happy. Hey, how you doing, Mark? I'm happy for Thanks that. Thanks for watching. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining. The Tuesday Night Scar Club Podcast. It has been a whirlwind trying to get all these Halloween episodes out. It is done. Doctor, I owe you two cigar reviews to go with the final two Halloween things for the website. And then I'm out. I'm burnt out. I quit. I'm not fucking around anymore. I just can't do it. I'm out. Gonna go to rehab. Try to get my life back in order. And None of these things are happening. Until next week, folks. <laughs> did I just say that all out loud? Yes, you Pain did. Pain isn't going to any kind of rehab. Well, boys, what do we say at the end of every episode? Do it. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Sayonara, motherfucker. Sayonara, Facebook Live. To learn more about the time I wore a pale, sinister Halloween mask and peered menacingly into unsuspecting people's homes, well, just look out your window. Boo! <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking, naturally. Loyal listeners of the show will, of course, remember that I can't wear Halloween masks due to the severe latex allergy I discovered while vacationing in Thailand several years ago. Boy, oh boy, now that's a spine-tingling tale of terror that even the Crypt Keeper himself wouldn't want to share around the campfire. Ouch. In the meantime, to learn more about the cigars and other libations enjoyed on tonight's episode, you can visit TatuateCigars.com and BarrowBrewingCompany.com. And remember, this is BarrowBrewing.com. Barrow, like the earthen mounds that you would put dead bodies under if you were, say, living a thousand years ago and not barrel, the round, keg-like thing that has been used to occasionally store dead bodies throughout history. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'Brien'sTemple.com and download their free smartphone app, where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky, and for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. Drunk, go sleep, I get up, go work, get drunk, go sleep, I get